tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. And Emma is looking after this morning's show. Coming up on the programme, disappointment for the Irish at the Oscars. Tipperary football morning, the sudden death of former boss Liam Kerrins. Two Tipperary students uh, highlight educational disadvantages in Leinster House. Uh, How to look after your feet with Andrea Keenan, uh, the foot care practitioner. We have global politics with uh, Thomas Conway. Home interior designs with Karen. And uh, Tipperary Drama Festival kicking off uh, this St. Patrick's Day as well. So all of that and much, much more. Lovely prize for you as well all of this week to celebrate Mother's Day, which is coming up on this coming Sunday, March 19th. We have a bottle of unisex perfume from Scent Perfumery in Clanmill to be given away every day. Uh, this week. Now, what we'd like you to do is nominate your mum for this. Just tell us who she is and tell us maybe why she deserves a beautiful uh, bottle of scent perfume. Uh, 083 311 You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. Uh, the Irish Times, first of all, telling us that the state's liability for outstanding legal claims uh, against it has reached 5 billion euro for the first time, almost double the overall bill compared with uh, five years ago. And in a briefing note to an Oireachtas committee, the state's claim agency has disclosed that at the end of 2022, the total estimated outstanding liability was just under 5 billion. Right across the newspapers today, uh, coverage of that uh, wonderful success of our rugby team, Ireland within one game of completing just uh, their fourth Grand Slam in history when they host England at the Aviva next uh, Saturday, following yesterday's 22-7 win over Scotland in Murrayfield. Great, great game as well. Uh, Also on the Times today, we're hearing that uh, primary schools have been left in the dark about the implementation of a free book scheme to be rolled out in September. And there's a significant risk that students will be without books at the start of the next academic year. Incredible stuff. The Irish Examiner. And they're um, telling us that the government ministers are already discussing the possibility of an early election, with senior sources saying it could be as early as uh, November 24th. And several ministers and senior coalition sources have told the Examiner uh, an election could follow quickly after the October uh, giveaway budget. And a great uh, picture on the front of the Examiner, Conor Murray. Uh, of Ireland, tackled by Jack Dempsey of Scotland during the Six Nations uh, game at Murrayfield. And it's just a wonderful action uh, picture there. And of course, coverage right across the newspapers, and we'll be talking about it in just a little while as well. The death has occurred of Offaly senior football manager Liam Cairns, the Trilly native, passed away following a sudden illness uh, yesterday. Uh, the Independent telling us that an increase in the tax credit for renters is being considered as part of a tax package aimed at addressing the fallout from lifting the eviction ban. And much coverage on that right throughout the weekend as well. The uh, Irish Daily Mail. Of course, again, every newspaper today talking about uh, the Oscars and uh, the 
headline for the Irish Daily Mail this morning, the Irish are out in style. Uh, also the Daily Mail uh, story on the front page, parents are desperately seeking medication from their doctors to deal with the fear and trauma of being forced out of their homes as the end of the eviction ban looms. And that's just a taste of what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to comment on any of that, 83 And uh, we're always, of course, uh, delighted to hear from you. Well, it wasn't to be for the Banshees at the Oscars uh, last night. Uh, despite receiving nine of Ireland's 14 nominations, the Banshees failed to pick up a single Oscar last night. It was disappointing, but it doesn't take away from the success that Banshees had undoubtedly been. And for us here in Tipperary, of course, the success of lovely uh, Kerry Condon, who was robbed in the Best Supporting Actress category. Now, Mary Butler is a former principal of the Ursuline Secondary School in Thurles, where Kerry uh, attended school, and she joins me online now. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you today. You must be very proud of uh, Kerry, despite last night's uh, disappointment. What was she like as a, as a student, Mary? Uh, she was a great girl. Very determined. Very talented. Um, hard worker. Mm. And uh, ambitious. Knew her mind and knew what she wanted and where she wanted to go. So, yeah, I I don't see it as a disappointment. I think it was wonderful she was nominated. Wasn't it just and, uh, uh, indeed? Yeah, and you can remember to uh, her her first roles. Was that Angela's Ashes all those years ago? Well, actually, that was when she was in her leading third year. Was it that indeed? Was, uh, yeah, yeah. Nineteen ninety eight. She completed her leading third in ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So in ninety eight, she that November of ninety eight of her leading third year, she uh, was filming that Angela's Ashes. But she had done roles for us in the two previous shows. And tell tell us about those roles. I mean, did you see pretty much immediately that this was a a remarkable talent, Mary? She was a great girl, and she had that certain, je ne sais quoi, as they say. Yeah. Um, And she, but you see, it was all wrapped up as well with hard work. Mm. Uh, You know, talent is terrific, but it is not accompanied by hard work. And motivation, you know. Mm. So she had both, which was terrific. And you saw that from the early days with her. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Have you yeah. followed her career all along, Mary? As much as possible, you know. You lose sight of it over the years, and then you hear of something, you know, mm. and uh, you try to. Mm. Her, her, her mom still lives locally, and her her relatives, aunts and uncles, and all that, you know. So, mm. yeah. But she was a great girl, and. Um, I'm delighted for her. Um, well deserved. She's been quite a while uh, on the on the uh, acting, and she's played many good parts. Uh, but this is recognition, I think, for all those hard years of work. Of course, which is so important yeah. as well. It's interesting yeah. that you talk about that. I mean, what do they say? Talent is only one percent. It's ninety nine percent hard work, I First suppose, and ambition and all of that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you have to have the talent too. It's the two together. That's the that's the mix. That's the ideal. I presume you've seen uh, Banshees yourself, Mary. I have not seen it. Have yet, you not? Right. No, right. no. It will be maybe over the Patrick's weekend. 
Very good indeed. I'd be very interested to know what you uh, think about it because there's <laughs> divided opinion uh, about it. I got yes, to see it last weekend and I must say I loved it. I thought it was some incredible performances yeah. in it. Particularly, I have to say, Kerry's performance was super in it as well. Yeah, I believe the acting is, is stunning. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, I know so, that uh, with uh, Mr. Farrell, I was never awfully impressed with him until I saw him in this and it really showed him off at his very best indeed. Kerry wasn't the first uh, Oscar-nominated student to attend the Earth Line. No, we've had uh, quite extraordinarily, you know, uh, last year we had Jesse yeah. Buckley. So it's uh, quite an extraordinary thing, really, in a kind of a temporary school, Harley school. Yeah. So we'd have two in two years. Isn't that great? It might never happen again. Please God, it will. Well, you, ne- you never know about these things. You never know. You did, never you, know did you thread the boards yourself, Mary? I did when I was in school, yeah. But yeah. I was directing then when I went on staff. Ah, very good, yeah. So you mm-hmm. would recognise raw talent, I suppose? You would, you would. Yeah. Really, you would. The minute they walk into auditions here, they have something special, you know? So, right, yeah. Yeah. What, what do you make, by the way, just finally, Mary, of all of the um, the Oscar circus uh, and all that's around it and stuff? Is that something you enjoy? or? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan. Are you not? I think yeah. it's great recognition. Right. You know, but, um, uh, yeah, uh, I... My yeah. jury is out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you were going to plead the fifth on that. Mary, it was great to talk to you today and thanks for your time. You thank you. Good morning Not to you. Bye-bye thank to you. you. Bye-bye. That was Bye. Mary Butler there. Mary, former principal of the Ursuline Secondary School in Thurles, where Kerry attended, of course, and uh, uh, was a success there in school plays as well. Isn't it great to know? 1800-938-007. Now, on a sad note, there was shock. Lots of sadness, in fact, at the news that broke last night of the sudden death of former Tipperary football boss, uh, Liam Cairns. Uh, he took over Tipperary in late 2015. In his first season, he brought them to a first All-Ireland semi-final in 116 years um, after a qualifier win, of course, over Galway in that quarter-final victory against Galway. But uh, more recently, he was at the helm of Offaly. And Stevie O'Donnell is a sports broadcaster and a frequent uh, contributor to the programme. And he joins me now. Stevie, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Fran. And good to talk to you today, Stevie. Huge shock, huge sadness over the passing of Liam. Yeah, it was last night, actually. I was talking to John Fogarty from Derrish Examiner, and we were just saying about how sad it was, really, when the news had broke. And I suppose by nine o'clock then last night, news had really filtered through the whole uh, country at that stage <clears throat> that Liam had passed on. And not sure uh, the cause of this at the moment, but it was a sudden death. My God. And is he 60 or 61? This sort of... Well, I was working it out from my own records, friend. He played two years minor with Kerry. Yes. He was, of course, an Austin Sexman in Tralee. And in 1980, he won an All-Ireland minor football medal. And he would have been playing the half-hour line at that time. And, of course, if you remember, Tip won the All-Ireland minor hurling. Mm-hmm. So that would make him around the 60-61 mark right now. Yes. And as as we say, a sudden death there and much, much sadness uh, about it. Did you know the man pretty well, Stevie? I did. I yeah. interviewed him, I think, would you believe it? It was about maybe 15, 16 times. Did you indeed? Yeah. I did, yeah, because when he was involved with Tipperary, obviously I was um, doing a lot. And of course he managed Dachalo as well. And managed Dachalo to win a county senior football title uh, back in 2010. And, and I, I remember the celebrations around that win as well. There was... I think it was unreal. It wasn't a just, yeah. 
that was the time that Lynn Bartolo, um, the Lynn Hotel in Ahlo was going quite well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he was, um, and brought him to the, the Munster Club Championship then against Dr. Crokes. Doctor was a game that I, I'll be honest with you, I thought Ahlo should have won that, but a few human errors, I suppose, really. And um, Crokes went on to win it. Well, was, yeah. it was it the success in Ahlo that would have determined that he went on to, to look after the county then? Was that? Well, Possibly in the Premier County, but if you go back to, we'll just say, I remember, was it 2000, going back to the year 2000, he managed the Limerick under 21 footballers, mm. and they got um, to the Munster final, they won it, and um, he also then guided them then to the All-Ireland under 21 football final that year against Tyrone, which was managed by Mickey Hart. They lost out, same as we lost out in 2015 to Tyrone as well at the same age group. But, um, after that, then he took over Limerick, and of course, he took him to senior finals in 2002 and 2004, and then he started on that. But, um, he prepared in I think that that was really the stepping stone where the county, uh, the county board were looking at him possibly mm. down the road that he would do a job for tape. But he was a brilliant man manager. He was an outstanding guy with the, with the players. Tell me about that, Steve. I mean, what manner of man was he? Interesting question. He, you see, it is very hard to manage the mentality of 35 or 40 odd players. Sure. But he had that skill that he was able to, he was like a psychologist. He could not get inside their head and have an idea of what was going on. But then again, look, he was a former garden sergeant, Mm. so he knew Mm. that he was well trained for stuff like that. But having said that, um, there was a couple of players that he used to often talk to me about. He would never mention names, but he'd obviously be mentioned players. And Mm. he said, never know what's going on in their heads, he said, before they come into training and all of that. And you know what? It's so true because you don't know what's going on in fellas' heads, let's say from home or at work or anything like that. But he was well able to manage them. Yeah, and of course he went on to much more success than uh, as well, Stevie. He did, and I remember when he took over, the county board ratified it at the end of 2015, and in 2016, guided in a very short space of time, that Tipperary senior team mm. were above Croke Park playing Mayo in an All-Ireland semi-final, having beaten Galway in the quarter-final. Mm. I mean, will we ever see that again in our well, that's time? Thing. And would you just explain to listeners who mightn't be too sure, how historic was that, Stevie? It was unbelievable. Mm. It was, what was it, 116 odd years yeah, yeah. like that since we had reached it. That was, that will just go down in history. Now, to be fair, um, we were dealt a major blow in the very early stages of that game when the black card was dished out to Robbie Kiley from Maryville Rovers. Yeah. And that was just unfortunate. But I think on that day as well, if I'm being honest, I think that maybe the occasion got to some of the players. Mm. That's what I felt anyhow. This was maybe the the media circus was really the hype and all of that was maybe a bit too much for him. But um, in the first year, yeah, in 2016, to take him to an All Ireland semi final, I think that was that was unbelievable. Like that's kind of unheard of in Tipperary. What what happened after that? Where where did he go following that? Well, that's what's really he left us with Tipperary. He stayed on for four years, yeah. until 2019, and. I remember one day I was interviewing him above at the top of Christ the King. Mm. And we were sitting down above on one of the benches, we were talking away. And I just asked him, I said, do you think you'll stay on for much longer? And he said, no, he said, I, I think just I can't get much more out of the players now. Right. And that would have been in 1918, the end of 18, 19, going to 19 actually. So he stayed on in, and in 19, 
he told me at the time that he was possibly going to maybe move on to another county and start fresh again. And he was hoping to get the Galway job, but of course, Borg Jason got that. Mm. Was it just last year he applied for that, was it? Um, it wasn't, no, it went only a couple of years back. Yes, yeah. 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 But of course, he's no previous, uh, he's no managing, he's no managing um, offerly. And of course, like, it's a major blow to the, you know, the GA itself. I remember he was in, when he started out in the girls and he was, he was a gym and stuff, though, over in the Gaelic College mm. in Templemore. And it's just uh, about his success. He took him to trench cup titles, back-to-back titles, and then the last out of the Sigerson Cup final in 1996 against UCD in the final. So yeah. he, his pedigree was unreal as, um, as a manager. But as a player, I don't think he ever played senior championship for Kerry. Played two years with minus. He was rich under 21s. But as a manager, it just goes to show you, you don't have to be a brilliant player at inter-county level to become a very good manager. And John Kiley is another perfect example of that. And isn't that very interesting indeed? So obviously the skills to be a manager, it doesn't necessarily uh, evolve from being being a great player. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I have seen that with several counties where players, they weren't, um, they had the highest of profile um, players, but obviously they had what it took to, to manage. Yes. As I said, look, it's a very famous country with John Kiley with Limerick. He, like, I mean, John didn't play that much championship with Limerick, but yet look what he did at management. Isn't it correct? Did he have some issues over the O'Burn Cup, uh, Stevie? There was issues around that time, all right, with uh, with the O'Burn Cup, but uh, it's very hard to know the ins and outs and exactly what happened with yeah. that. But he, he wasn't really in favour of, of um, the McGrath Cup or the O'Burn Cup. He made out that there was too many games. He said it to me before that there were too many games, really, where players, they were expected to do too much. And I asked him, what did he mean by that? And he said, well, if you go back to the uh, 70s, 80s, and that, if you look at Kerry, when they won the All-Ireland, they only played four matches in the championship season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, compare that to now. And was a burnout that he was afraid of? Uh, yeah, he yeah. felt that. And, you know, I spoke to him on a few players in, in Tipperary, and I'll give you one example. There was one guy in Tipperary, he was playing, at 14 years of age, he was playing minor hurling and football up along for Tipperary. He had another four years. He won three months of the minor hurling medals. And I felt myself he was going to burn himself out. And that was David Morrissey in Bancha. Every Kelty office. Yeah. And it, 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 to me, it, he was a perfect example of what player burnout is like. Because he was playing colleges, he was playing to his club, he was playing with county at minor, under 21, and then he was in uh, at a higher level in with his club and county again. Well, Liam will be very sadly missed, uh, that's uh, for sure, because he had much more to give, I suppose, Stevie. It's important I to point that so. out. Yeah, I, I think so. And you know what his biggest dream was? He told me, I asked him what was his biggest dream um, going forward, and he said was to manage Kerry at some stage. Was it indeed? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, the, and would have that would that have come about? Do you think, Stephen? Um, I don't know. You see, because uh, you see, I've often looked at uh, the stronger counties in football, like Dublin and Kerry. Mm. Come. Yeah. Likewise, in hurling, Kilkenny, Tipperary. When politics comes into this, but really in football down in Kerry, that's one thing he managed. He says he'd have to get over the politics side of it. You know, to 
um, become manager or whatever. But like, there's an awful lot of expectation with these counties. Oh my God! Yeah, that's that's for sure. Like that's that's a lot of pressure too. Well, as I say, uh, condolences indeed to his family. On a, on a much happier note, uh, Stevie, can I ask you about the National Hurling League Division One B? Uh, great victory for for Tipperary there. Davy Fitz not at all happy uh, during that <laughs> that game. Anyway, for <laughs> yeah, sure. I was I was at that game actually. Yeah. Jerry and Shawnee from you guys that you know from Solihead sure. with me, and we went down and we enjoyed the game. It was a, a very a committed uh, bunch of lads that, or it is a very committed bunch of lads as we said that Liam have got in there now and I was really impressed by the attitude and the application of all the players on the night yeah. and I suppose one of the worries really would be the knee injury to Seamus Cannon it just happened out in front of yeah. us and it was like a knock to the side of the knee rather than the front so I'd be afraid of maybe slight ligament damage or whatever but I don't know that the the scan, of course, it will be taking place now today. That will reveal the... the interest to see what happens. What, what, what a performance from Jake Morris was, there. I mean, wasn't uh, it just... Yeah, you see, Jake Morris is a real gold poacher. Mm. But I would prefer to see Jake staying inside around a small parallelogram because on several occasions... And Johnny Raven, sitting beside me, said mm. it to me. And there was a lady at the back with Sherry Ann O'Donnell, uh, big into the Greyhounds from um, New Inn. I said the very same thing. You know, it's a pity to see these real good forwards drifting back into the half-back line. Mm. But the game of Holland that we're playing today, it's the very same in football. Positions mean nothing. And she scored three great goals. It's incredible, isn't it? What, what did you read, though, of the Waterford performance there? Um, you know? uh, with the Waterford performance, because I have a couple of Waterford connections, obviously, yeah. and I felt that they were coming to compete and whether they were going to win or not, it wasn't the end of the world. Because David Pitt, to me, is building a team for the championship, obviously, like every manager. Yes. But I felt that that loss didn't worry David Pitt. Right, OK. Now, they, they, they gave it to all, but there was one guy, then, and before I go, mm. there was one guy on that Tipperary team. He was given a job to man-mark Daisy Hutchinson. And that was young Jonathan Ryan, Johnny Ryan from Arabel Rovers. Mm. He done a super job now. It was only in injury time that Daisy Hutchinson scored his very first pint, and that guy is normally six or eight pints every day he goes out for Waterford. And I have to say, well done to Johnny. It's his first year on the squad, and that'll just tell you that the talent is there if they're given the chance. It was great to see a turnout like that as well, wasn't it? Yeah, good crowd. Good crowd, a good yeah. crowd, and I have to say a big thank you as well to the Tipperary Hurling Supporters Club, because John Coleman and all the lads, they... Um, put in a lot of the ticket sellers in over there and they give them a bite cheese in the dome beforehand and put them in then over to the over to the game itself in via the new stand. So yeah, it was a great evening out and it was good. I, I met an old friend that I had met for years, Liz Howard. Oh, did you? Former, yeah, yeah. Yeah, former Pierre Wolf, County Board, yeah, and yeah. Gail again in Tipperary. So oh, it was a great good. evening. Very good. I was actually watching the game up in uh, Moyne, would you believe? And of course, there was great interest uh, there because of the lads from, from the Moyne Club, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, uh, Garota Connor, especially. Yeah. He's another guy that's really shown up, haven't been there before. And of course, they're, they're there now. And you know what? I'd be, I'd be optimistic for the championship. Yeah. Not to win it, but to compete. Right. Well, that's, that's good enough for me, Stevie. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. And thank you so much for your time, Stevie. Always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. It's a great old friend of mine, wonderful sports broadcaster, of course, the great Stevie O'Donnell there. We'll take a break. Back with more. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip, F- Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 1800 That text and WhatsApp is 083 Of course, you can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now, two Tipperary students have highlighted the inequalities of the HPAT exam, which use, is used to assist with the selection of students into medicine. And Lisa O'Connor attends the Ursuline School in Thurnus. And Louis Ryan is a student at Rockwell in Cashel. And they brought their concerns to the Doyle in recent days. And Lisa and Louis joining me now in the studio. Good morning to you both and thanks very much indeed for coming in to us. Lisa, can I start with you? Where did this notion come from that you wanted to address this and you wanted to address it at the highest level possible? Well, um, I'm interested in pursuing medicine myself so I had to go about buying the med entry packages and also sitting the HPAT exam but when I realised that it costs a lot of money obviously and that's well above many people's socio-economic pay levels um, I realised it was really a big inequality. I also know a girl who got 613 points in her leaving cert last year and she came from a much more disadvantaged area than myself and a lot of people doing medicine so she had to she had no opportunity to actually buy the prep packages like med entry so she had to save up for the HPAT herself do it and then fail it so she was basically set up for the failure when she got 613 points in her leaving cert she had to take this year off to go and work all year so she could afford the package herself and then also put herself through college so I think that really highlighted the inequality for me Right and the exam itself seems to be rather random to some degree is it? It is yeah it's not the type of exam you can really study for but the prep packages definitely help um it's sort of like an aptitude test i suppose and they're like it's been proven that you can really improve in certain areas like section three and section one and i just think that it's really unfair to not give this same advantage to everyone else right just for people because i didn't know much about uh, this louis will you just tell us this was introduced on top of the uh, the issue of needing so many points in the leaving cert, but this was sort of for the interpersonal aspect of it and the reasoning aspect of it and all, all of that. Was it to make sure that our doctors would be, I don't know, maybe more rounded and stuff? Yeah, I think that was definitely the, the outcome for it or what they intended for the outcome to be. Um, but I think the HBAT, the questions involved in the whole exam don't really have any connection with medicine. For me and Lisa, I think... It's a personality test more so than anything else and it doesn't really test um, the ability of a student to become a doctor. Um, but I think, you know, to strip everything back, uh, where do we draw the line with this? Mm. Um, at what cost should our education system be in order to achieve an equal playing field? Right. But even if you get a massive amount of points without this HPAT, you, you don't get in, is it? Is it as simple as that? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, if someone wanted to study medicine in college and they worked hard enough to get 600 points and it's always been their dream to study medicine in college and then to find out that they haven't gotten into it, you know, they've worked extremely hard 
the whole six years of their leaving cert and then to find mm. out that they haven't done enough. Is and, just, and Louis, is there any funding available to help with HPAT? There's very little funding available and one of the solution, or a couple of the solutions that we suggested to Minister Harris was to further considerate um, giving school outreach workshops, mentoring programmes and most importantly fostering links with disadvantaged schools and aspiring young students or future doctors. Alright, now Louis is in Rockwell, you're in the Earthline, you're, you're, you know, your backgrounds are rather, you know, you're okay, you're not quite posh maybe, but you're certainly there or thereabouts. Why did you take an interest in this? Um, well, as I said, I did take the interest because of the girl I know in right. Limerick who didn't get that same opportunity, but also because it's been my dream since I was four to be a doctor. So to think that if I, you know, I have, I had the resources available to me to be able to buy the med entry packages, which cost a lot more money than people can afford. Rough, roughly, what sort of cost are we talking about to prepare yourself for HPAT? Uh, it can range from four hundred to one thousand five hundred. Wow! So, depending on the package, I mean, the most beneficial one, I suppose, would be obviously the one thousand five hundred one. But I got one for about eight hundred. So, you know, it's obviously very expensive. But I was really lucky and fortunate to have those. Um, opportunities for myself and to know that I might not even get medicine so how would it be expected for someone who's never sat at who has just no sort of equal playing field to go in there and compete against schools who are obviously able to afford that and the people in them. And what about you Louis? Is it medicine for you as well? Is no, it? I would like to do law. You would like to do law, okay. So what brought you into this then? <laughs> well Lisa just wanted a bit of support up in the doll and I, speaking to other students in my school um, they felt the exact same way about her, um, mm. about the whole issue. I know one student who got the 70th percentile in the first year, so that's 70% out of 100, mm. and then 50 in the second year, and then it was, I think, 60 in the third year. It was the same person? The same person, and they studied it for three years consecutively, and then they're still trying, it's their fourth year now, trying to get back into medicine, and so hopefully they'll get it this year, but who knows. <laughs> right, so has HPAT failed in its aspiration, like, to create doctors who are more sort of rounded in terms of having all the interpersonal skills as well as the brains. Yeah, I think so, definitely. At, um, one issue or one point just to highlight, um, an Australian company, I think, makes the, yeah, the exam and it has nothing got to do with the Irish education system. Um, and we have one of the best education systems in the world, if not the best here in Ireland. Um, but money always wins, in our opinion, or at least for the most part. Um, but Minister Harris now has the opportunity to, um, ha he has the power to change that within our education system, so we hope that we will see that. So, you got to meet him, you got to address yeah. him. What was his reaction to you, Lisa? Um, well, we found out that, first of all, you know, the government can't actually take the HPOT off the requirements. So that's something that the colleges put on themselves. But, you know, uh, they do provide most of the funding to colleges. So if they really wanted to take it off, it could happen. But I understand that, you know, it's not exactly their choice. So they can, well, what we suggested, our main solution was funding, because in terms of, you know, government funding, it's not an awful lot. And it'd be quite a small amount in consideration to like what they have to pay for a lot of other stuff and another solution was well that they gave us was to create more places but I don't think this actually addresses the issue at hand I think you know creating he said his solution would be to try to create over 200 places um, throughout the next five years but this doesn't really address the issue of the HPAT and the inequalities in the HPAT. This just brings down the points a bit but you know you still have to do the HPAT it's not going to bring them down enough that it's going to be an equal playing field. Do you know what really concerns me is, was he aware that this was a problem until you addressed it? Um, 
not really. I mean, I think he understood like about the hate pad and everything, but I'm not sure that it was quite highlighted to him in the way that we did yeah. before that. Because we're crying out for doctors. We're, yeah, that's exactly you know, what I was saying. You know, so you'd imagine that this would have been known and spoken about previously, but uh, but obviously not. Is there something similar where law is concerned, Louis? Is it? No, it's no. just um, a straight straight leaving sort of points and then you just get into your college course but then there's exams after uh, after college so if you want to be a solicitor or a barrister but that hasn't any connection with the leaving cert at all Right, but still I have to put it to you that you know, that disadvantage is an issue here, we don't hear about many disadvantaged people who end up being barristers or lawyers really, you know They do give bursaries actually for Do they? Yeah, in yeah. Trinity and in UCD I think for people who do law um, the government provides bursaries on a you know, like Right. individual level. Is that something that you think should be applied to medicine? Um, they were saying that that could be um, a solution but again, I don't think like, I don't think it's a really viable solution because right. medicine's become really elitist, I think, in my opinion and it's really seen as a more elite profession. So if only like the top schools and like the top earners, like their parents are able to put them through this and then they get into college and get to do medicine then, you know, where's the funding really going? It's just going into the pockets of like the more wealthy. So I don't think it's really viable for to give this money like a bursary to people who already have the money. So I think it needs to be given before that to give people who don't have the money right. an opportunity to get into So it needs course. to be focused is what you're saying. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. It was uh, Deputy Michael Lowry who highlighted uh, this to us. He's been very helpful to you, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. we'd just like to take this opportunity to thank Michael Lowry. Um, he organised the whole meeting for us and when Lisa went to him and expressed her concerns um, previously she, I think, got in contact with Minister for Education, Norma Foley, um, but it wasn't her area to kind of have the meeting about this issue with us. Um, so we'd just like to thank Minister or TD Michael Lowry for all his help in organising the meeting. Very good yeah. indeed. How, how will you measure the success of your meeting? I mean, I presume you're not going to just leave this now, are you? Uh, no, I wouldn't like to. I mean, I understand that it's a fairly long process to have to, you know, get the funding and stuff. But he did express his sort of initiative that he would consider funding but his only definitive response was to create 200 places within the next five years which I personally don't think is enough and I think there needs to be action taken now considering the problem of shortage of doctors in the medical field and it's something very prominent that they like to talk about a lot so if they really want a solution then there it is and I hope that they do take initiative on it. It's amazing you never wanted anything else from when you were four. No. Is that incredible, yeah? Yeah. And you never wavered from that any, any way along the way, no? Um, last year I was kind of considering doing law, but I went back to my roots. Did you, yeah? <laughs> yeah. And uh, tell me, will we be able to hold on to you? Because we, we're not able to hold on to our young doctors and stuff, so... Uh, no, I know that. I would like to do all my exams in Ireland and everything and specialise in Ireland, but I obviously want to travel and things as well, but... I would mm. definitely like to end up doing medicine. Would you, Ireland. yeah. And, and when you say specialise, have you something in mind that you'd like to specialise in? Um, I'd really like to be a neuroconsultant or a neurosurgeon. That <laughs> would be the dream, wow. you know. Wow, okay. So a lot of years of study. What, probably about eight or ten years, is it? Um, well, there's six at? years of undergrad and then there's 
four years plus another two. Yeah, about twelve years altogether. Wow, well, it's a long, it's a, it's a long time indeed. But it's something you'll you'll embrace and you look forward to. Yeah. Right, to I guess. Well, it was lovely to meet you both uh, today. It's uh, terrific. It, 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 will this make you sort of be more uh, conscious and socially aware and all of that now, Louis? Will you will you pursue other other things like this? Yeah, hopefully. Um, I think Lisa got in contact, or the uh, education correspondent of RTE News got in contact with Lisa, so hopefully something will foster from that, but it definitely makes us more socially aware for those people who maybe don't have a voice to speak and who don't have the funding and the resources. Um, But as I said, you know, we have the best education system in the world, so the government has a big opportunity to stand up here and... To, to really fight for those people who can't for themselves. Yeah, well, well done to you both. It was a real pleasure to meet you today. Thanks very much for coming into us. That's uh, Louis Ryan there and Lisa O'Connor of the Ursuline Louis, of course, in, in uh, Rockwell College. Thanks very much indeed. It's uh, 9.43. I'll be right back. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, Tronmel residents have expressed concerns regarding the lack of pedestrian crossings uh, along the Tronmel bypass. A number of people have made representations directly to Councillor Michael Murphy uh, about their fears of crossing the Frank Drohan Road. And Michael is with me in studio. Good morning to you, Michael. Uh, Good morning, Fran. Uh, Will you tell me about that? People have been coming to you about this. Yeah, well, look, I live in the northern part of Tronmel, as many of your listeners know, on the Feathered Road. And it's getting more and more difficult for pedestrians and cyclists alike to cross uh, the what we commonly refer to as the bypass. Yeah, it's very dangerous. It's very it? dangerous. Yeah. If you travel from the Mungarif roundabout to the Care Road roundabout, there's not a single flashing light, there's not a single sign, and there's not a single road marking to alert motorists that these are uncontrolled pedestrian crossings. So I've decided to raise this at uh, Wednesday's meeting by means of notice of motion. I think given the significant development that has taken place on the northern part of Clonmel over the last number of decades, I think we need to, at the very least, upgrade our pedestrian crossings. But I've also suggested as well consideration should be given, and particularly with the opening of the Sports Hub, which is imminent, Mm -hmm. hopefully it will open in May, which will lead to further pedestrian uh, traffic as well. The concept of a flyover, pedestrian flyover for both pedestrians and cyclists. And is, is that is that a possibility? Uh, it certainly is. I've engaged with the uh, director uh, of, um, sorry, not the director, but the uh, senior engineer responsibility for roads here in Clonmel, uh, Roger Noonan, and I think everything is on the table. There is an appreciation that what I've uh, raised is a very valid, uh, very valid mm. issue. Uh, and I'm confident uh, that over the next 12 months we're going to make real, real progress uh, on this. Um, it's a road I travel all of the time, particularly coming in and out of uh, work and the dangerous crossing that, I mean, people are taking their lives in their hands. Some of the crossings are at the roundabouts, Mike. Some of the crossings, yeah. So we've, we have two crossings either side of the Feather Road roundabout, two yeah. crossings either side of the Cashel Road roundabout. There is some kind of a crossing there at the exit where you come out of Carrageen and the Wilderness. Um, there used to be flashing lights, but for whatever reason, uh, they don't work anymore. Uh, it's extremely dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. I do accept that it is a national uh, road uh, and there are rules around pedestrian crossings yes. along national roads, but you have to have regard to the significant development that exists, particularly on the Feathered Road uh, and on the Cashel uh, Road as well. 
when do you think we might see some work happening on uh, on this? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, what I would say is let's wait for the response and the debate at this uh, Wednesday's meeting. I know Roger has already been in charge with what or in touch with what they call the capital team. Uh, this will cost money uh, in terms of either upgrading the existing crossings, in other words, that they become controlled crossings rather than what they are at the moment, which is what they technically called uncontrolled crossings. So controlled means that we'd have lights. We'd have it? lights. Uh, yeah. We'd certainly have signage. We'd have, uh, but I Ideally, uh, ideally lights. I understand that that's frustrating then because there's actually 20,000 vehicle movements on the bypass. I was going to say to you, that's my only problem. Uh, with it. Every, 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 slow everything every, down. Every single day. So that's why I think yeah. a pedestrian flyover, a pedestrian and cycle uh, flyover has to be an option located somewhere between the Feathered Road roundabout and the Cashel Road right. roundabout. Right, because if it was slowed down anymore, particularly at, at uh, rush times, Michael, I'm thinking of the evenings, trying to get out the bypass in the evenings. I, I can understand, but my concern is, and I think it has to override every other concern, and that is safety, pedestrian yeah. safety, and yeah. I think there's an accident there waiting to happen, particularly at certain crossings, they're particularly dangerous where sight lines are very, very bad, far those same. Right. And when we talk about pedestrians, we're talking about sometimes um, uh, ladies, mothers, wheeling buggies as well, you have to take your time, and uh, on occasions you are certainly taking your life in your hands when you're crossing the bypass so that's why it's just yes. one of my focuses at the moment. Now, I know it would be awkward for you to say so but let me say so. I think pedestrians have a certain responsibility as well because certainly in the mornings I see people in dark clothing or people on scooters and stuff you know, putting themselves in danger as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, I, I, I agree with you and it has to work uh, It has yeah. to work both ways, Fran. Yeah. All right, okay. But we might hear about this in the next... Absolutely, and I'm happy to uh, send a reply into your team here uh, and keep you updated on this. All right. Uh, some good news where, where the buses are concerned. Let's start, at least, will you? Yeah, as I that? said to you uh, before we came on here, I think it's another small step in the right direction for Clonmel. Uh, the restoration of the town bus service has been a priority of mine and, in fairness, a priority for all my colleagues on the Clonmel... Uh, uh, borough District, uh, we got a communication on Friday to say that the National Transport uh, Authority is going to provide funding. So let me be very clear, funding is secured uh, for the restoration of the town bus service and indeed an enhanced uh, town bus service. We're due to meet with a representative of the NTA in the next number of weeks because they're now moving to a procurement stage. In other words, funding has been secured. It's now about securing an operator to operate the service. NTA will provide the buses for this particular service. They're described as urban style uh, buses uh, it will operate what I can say at the moment and the information I have to hand it'll obviously serve the east west and northern parts of Clonmel connect those areas uh, with the town centre and will operate on a half hourly basis uh, over a minimum of a 12 hour period seven days a week. Right, is this only a trial though? Uh, absolutely not Fran, this is here, this is to restore okay. on a continuous basis we've had town bus services, would you believe it going back and those that are in Clonmel as long as I am back to the Princess buses uh, operated by the Parson family, uh, most recently uh, operated by John O'Donoghue and that ceased uh, in the lead up to COVID but none of those were what we call a, a subsidised service whereby funding uh, was provided by the NTA and I imagine this ties in with this new uh, mantra coming out at the national level in terms of active travel and promoting less and less use of cars, uh, this uh, service now, I think it would be a good um, addition in the context of connecting those particular areas with our town centre Speaking of the 
uh, using cars less I mean our train service really needs to be looked at Michael is there, is there any talk uh, about no that? update there yet from we're due schedule, to meet, uh, you know? again we got confirmation there from the district administrator uh, Carl Creighton and I want to pay tribute to Carl in the context of this town bus service and what she's trying to do on the rail service as well but we're due to meet Barry O'Neill uh, in the next number uh, or Barry um, he, he's the guy associated mm. with Aaron earlier and I'm not sure of his second name uh, in the next number of weeks again and we'll Kenny, have an update there uh, I think so yes yeah, Barry, yeah, Barry Kenny yeah, I think yeah. is his name he's very very senior in Erin yeah. Road Erin and he's agreed to meet with members of the Clonmel Borough District uh, and it'll be an opportunity for us to engage in the context of the uh, the train service Right because I think that's vital you know. Of course it's, it's vital important. in terms of connecting us uh, and more importantly in terms of connecting other uh, large urban areas with Clonmel not necessarily connecting Clonmel with other but it works both ways as well we're trying to get as many people back into Clonmel as possible You were mentioned in dispatches last week on the programme I was speaking to Bernie Goldback about some of the antisocial uh, issues that's happening in Tus in Clonmel as well he said you, you, you attended there to have a look at what's going on it's, it's disappointing isn't it? I think first of all just to champion what it actually is first of all an incredible facility and all the actors involved in terms of bringing this to fruition deserve great great credit and a reminder like it's a 400 metre IAAF standard athletics track uh, pump track that's a kind of a BMX off-road track cycleways walkways skate park uh, and uh, playground yes I walked it last week I've walked it on a number of occasions uh, and like Bernie uh, and others I'm just concerned uh, and not just actually in the context of the sports hub but uh, an emerging antisocial behaviour in and around Clonmel and I know you spoke for example and just to give another example what's happening in in marketplace uh, as well and it's deeply, deeply worrying. And I, can I take this opportunity to appeal to those individuals that are carrying out uh, these uh, this vandalism, if you want to call it that, this antisocial behaviour to desist from it. Um, this is a fantastic facility. Um, it will set Clonmel up as a destination for regional, uh, national, and I hope international sporting events as well. Uh, three clubs involved, um, Clonmel Cycling Club, Clonmel Triathlon Club and Clonmel Athletic Club. I think it's crucial that we get the governance uh, in terms of the operational uh, operational decide absolutely right we need to know clearly who's uh, responsible for its day-to-day operation uh, the security of the uh, the site as well but yes uh, some some activities that are taking place up there before it even opens are, is, is a deep, deep worry. Bernie had some very good ideas in terms of incorporating the work of TUS into the sports hub and therefore more inclusive and bringing more and more people in. I, I couldn't agree with Bernie more and I've had this conversation yeah. with Bernie and it's something I'm going to explore further with uh, Bernie because as I said in the context of antisocial behaviour not just there and elsewhere as well we need to have a look why is it happening like I was in Marketplace uh, on Wednesday uh, two weeks ago and I came across uh, five individuals, um, one girl and four boys. Um, uh, they seemed to be very, very respectable. They were throwing traffic cones uh, through the windows of one of the facilities uh, in uh, Marketplace. Uh, I challenged them. Uh, I ended up being verbally abused. I was recorded. Um, I had to leave because another group of young people came as well. I've reported it to on guards. But we have to understand why are they taking... Um, taking part in this type of activity. And, uh, I mean, presumably you've thought about this, Wayne. Why are they? And, 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 you know, and that's the very reason that we're trying to provide facilities like we are in the sports hub, like a skateboard park, so they have got some place of interest, like the the uh, the bike track, the, the pump track, as we call it as well. So we're providing activities uh, for these types of individuals, but we need to engage, we need to engage with community groups as well to see, can we get these youths involved? As I said, you know, and you said yourself, Bernie has great ideas. I think it's very important that 
that the uh, TUS is involved in the governance. Mm. I know they're talking about some kind of a board that will involve three members of LIT, three members of the council and one each from the cycling club, the athletic club and triathlon club. In terms of the LIT representation on that governance structure, I think it's really important that there's a TUS so element too, yeah. as well. You know, individuals like Bernie that's got great, great ideas yeah. but they, that we can they, make they, it more inclusive for what, these youths. What, what I'd hate is for something like that to be seen to be elite in some way and not inclusive. That's that's important. Ultimately, it? while the clubs are involved, this is a facility for the public, for the people of Clonmel to enjoy. Um, you know, I think it's so important in the context that, you know, we all lead busy lives, you know, I think in the context of our well-being, mental mm. well-being, healthy living and so on, the sports hub ticks all the boxes as well. And I think in what Bernie is suggesting in terms of getting the youth of Clonmel involved as well, I think is a great idea and it's something I'm going to mm. explore with Bernie and indeed other uh, agencies in and around Clonmel as well. We're always at pains to say, of course, it's not just Clan Mill suffering from antisocial behaviour. It's, it's right across uh, the county. And yeah, all but it's a worry. It's certainly a worry, yeah. Uh, it was interesting to see Father Michael Toomey uh, coming out about this and being being very animated about it as well. Yeah, what, look, Father Michael, know? I know my Father Michael very well. Mm. Uh, uh, he's a great champion for our town, first and foremost, and when there's positives, the first person now to champion those yeah. positives is Father Michael as well. I've worked with Father Michael on many, many different projects, and sometimes it takes somebody like Father Michael to get a focus on a particular issue, whether it's marketplace or other issues as well. And in the context of what um, Bernie is suggesting around uh, better youth involvement in terms of the governance and the day-to-day running, the operation of um, of the sports hub, you know, Michael, Michael, Father Michael is a great um, yeah. asset and as well and I hope to engage with Father Michael on that. To yeah, see what and he's not one for drama, so if he comes out and says there's an issue, he's well worth listening to. I'm Absolutely, sure, I'm sure, I'm sure I agree with be. that, What is driving this? Because it seems... Everybody has spoke to Michael saying it's getting worse in terms of antisocial behaviour. It's, it's, it's very hard to know, Fran, and I'm not so sure I'm qualified to say or you know what's driving it. What struck me when I was in Marketplace and I saw those particular individuals uh, throwing traffic cones in the window of one of the premises, they weren't necessarily from the socio socioeconomic background. You'd think they were very respectable. That's, that's why I found what you, you said know, to be and very I, interesting. And, yeah, yeah, and I was I was very very taken aback by it. Um, and they were abusive to you. Uh, they were quite abusive. They recorded me as well, which was a particular worry for me. Uh, I had to leave. Uh, I reported, and in fairness to Angarish Corner, they were on site within twenty minutes. But at that stage, uh, they had uh, they had dispersed. Um, it's something we have to have a close look at, uh, and we need people like Bernie, like Father Michael, and others to come together to get our head around this. Um, you know, I know Clamel faces a lot of challenges, uh, but there are a lot of opportunities as well. The sports hub is one of those opportunities. The wider development of Kick and Barracks is another uh, opportunity as an educational hub. Uh, we're fighting and I suppose for other other projects uh, as well and we need everybody on right. board. Well, whenever you come on, come on with me, I can guarantee you a text will come in to know what about the old Clonmel Arms. Do you, do you have any extra information on that? Uh, I know, you see, I, I, I suppose and I talk about the ambition that I and my colleagues have for Clonmel, the vision we have for Clonmel uh, in terms of the various strategic sites around Clonmel and two key strategic sites are obviously Marketplace and the Clonmel Arms. One of the challenges we face is they're in private ownership and it's very, very difficult. Um, at long last, we have the owners of Marketplace engaging with the council and I'm hopeful that we will have uh, a planning application in the next number of um, of months but again it's going to take a long time to develop that. Mm. Uh, the extent of the engagement with the owners of the Clamel Arms, uh, I'm not aware of. It's very difficult to get information. Uh, the council I can assure you, Carl Creighton and others are doing everything possible to engage <coughs> 
uh, with the owners mm. one can only hope that there will be movement sooner rather than later but again the challenge here is that it's in private ownership Alright well hopefully we'll hear uh, some good news about that soon Michael always good to see you thanks very much indeed Councillor Michael friend. Murphy with us this morning we'll take a break news is on the way Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Brian. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. And welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Uh, quite a few of our callers into us um, to make the point about parents again. And, and this follows on from my discussion with Councillor Michael Murphy about antisocial behaviour and all of that. And yeah, it's the constant question, where are the parents? Why don't the parents know where these kids are? 83 311 I'm delighted to be joined in the studio once again by Andrea Keenan of the Foot Care Centre in Clonmel. Good morning to you, Andrea. Good morning, Frank. And, and good to see you. And we will actually talk about antisocial behaviour and stuff a little later on because I know you have some very, very strong feelings as a business person and just uh, as as a normal citizen as well. We'll talk about that in just a little while. But feet, first of all, because, do you know, since you started coming in and doing bits and pieces, people are obsessed with their feet. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's important. I mean, you cannot move without your feet. Yeah. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it's one of the lesser... Uh, lesser important things when it comes to overall health. So you're talking about heart health, kidneys, eyes, etc. Feet mm. are sort of the forgotten. And still we do all the wrong things. We wear the wrong footwear, you know. We, we... Well, not everybody and not all the time. But right. yes, I mean, yeah. coming up now to summer or spring... Please God, a summer uh, flip flops are just a huge no no because they have to cramp their toes to hold on to the shoe. There's no back, there's no supporting them. The fear is that people fall out of them and cause another issue. Of course, yeah. Uh, sliders, similar but not so bad. Um, yeah, I mean, footwear. High is an heels, issue. Andrea, for God's uh, sake. Do you know, funny enough, it's not such a big issue anymore. Is it not? No, because the youngsters mostly, when I say youngsters, I mean late teens, early yeah. 20s. 20s wear very high shoes for a very little time because they're just too high for them to walk in. So you right. see them in the photos and then they're off, they're in their hands. So is that not as big an issue as it used to be then? Is that what you're no, saying? No, because my generation would have worn reasonably high shoes, but we could wear them all day. Okay. And then, then you're creating a problem because the toe is too narrow, you're creating corns, uh, you're creating hard skin. And that's worse because we had them on for longer periods of time, whereas the right. youngsters have very high shoes and wearing for very short periods of time. All right, if anybody out there has uh, a question or questions for Andrea, 083 311 keeping the feet warm and the importance of that, will we start with that, Andrea? Please, it's very important, especially at this time of year because it's so cold. So a lot of people come into me with very... They have poor circulation. Mm. A certain demographic would have poor circulation and probably my age and older, so over 50. Very important that they wear warm but loose fitting socks. Now, a lot of ladies, especially coming in the stockings, the little knee highs, mm. the 
they're very constrictive um, so they're cutting off circulation so again it makes their feet colder again a, a warm loose sock is the best way you can go right. and yeah. material what what material should no not be? so bothered about material definitely not cotton because it doesn't wick away sweat or any wetness yes. uh, mixed fabric is fine Okay. Yeah, not so bothered. It, were you talking to us about Velcro as well? Right? Yeah, but see, shoes are very important, and shoes are part of who we are mm. as well. I mean, I have elderly ladies come in and they love their style, and there's nothing wrong with that. And gentlemen as well, they mm. like the formal shoe, mm. which what I call a church shoe, a mass shoe, you know, very formal, but there's no giving them. So as your feet and all of our feet swell during the day, everybody, just, just the way we're made. Mm. So it might feature perfectly at 9 o'clock, but by four o'clock in the afternoon, they're too tight. Okay. So there's no give in a formal shoe. So they're fine for a wedding or something like that, a formal occasion. But you're much better off with the upper part of your footwear to be of a soft and malleable type of uh, fabric. Now, that won't be necessarily... Uh, rainproof. Mm. So it's a bit of common sense has to come into play here. But certainly if you're at home all day and you don't want to wear a slipper, a lot of people don't, then if you get a soft-fitting shoe, it has to be um, a supportive sole and the heel so that you don't fall out of them, you don't slip out of them. Um, but the top part, if it's soft, especially if you have bunions or if you're prone to corns or hard skin, um, yeah. comfort is key. Trainers, I mean, a lot of us think trainers are comfy and that's why I'm wearing a pair today. But, I mean, do you... Do you... No, trainers are good. Uh, nowadays, you can wear trainers all day long. When right. I was young, you wore, you went to the sports field, you put your trainers on, you played the sport, you took your trainers off. Yeah. They weren't really uh, manufactured for all-day wear. Now they are. Mm. They get very smelly, though, aren't they? Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, you, it's very good to swap your shoes, so not wear the same pair every day. Okay. It, it, uh, what you do is you dry them out because we everybody sweats. It's just not that's natural. And then dry out that shoe. You don't have to put it outside. You can put it next to the radiator or next to the fire or whatever, the front door, wherever you like. And wear a different pair the next day if you oh, can. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. So that way you dry them out. So some people would be prone to athlete's foot. Mm. Or, so that would be moist. The fungus likes moist feet. Or also a thing called pitted keratolysis. Happens very often with uh, men in hard nail, hard... Um, Work boots. Yes, then yeah. that type yeah. of boot. Um, they sweat a lot. Okay. And what it does is they gives the punched out appearance on their skin like a, what you and I would know as a crumpet. Okay. I had a youngster in recent I had to show him a picture of a crumpet so he knew what I was talking about. Uh, so those, you know, keeping wicking away the sweat is very important. Right. The regular foot issues that you come across oh, then, Andrea. So this morning already I've had corns. Uh, corns are friction and pressure, so mostly on the, um, the outside toe, the small toe. Uh, that's because the shoes are too narrow or because the shoes are tighten as the day gets on as your feet swell. And is that always the cause of corns? Yes, friction and pressure, that's it. Right, that's it. That's right, it. it's not an internal issue and no. it's not, not, nothing no. to do with circulation. Now, or that's anything. the outside, hard corns. Right. On the inside, between the toes, interdigitally, soft corns. Now, they can be a... Uh, a more um, a bone issue, or okay. the way you walk. So some toes overlapped. We call them curly toes. That's actually an official name. <laughs> curly toes. They can rub against each other. So as you're being active, moving, active just means walking around the shops. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. running a marathon. Yeah. Uh, they can rub together, and they can cause an issue. And what can you do about that? A few things. We can give you something to put over the toe called a toe sleeve. 
and that will take this a gel product and that will take the pressure off the toe the toe beside it uh, you can buy wider fitting shoes and that's so important. I, I often say to people, you need wider fitting shoes. And they go, well, these are wide fitting. But actually a wider fitting shoe is something totally different. It is uh, maybe a double E, triple E fitting. So uh, some people need to perhaps look at their footwear. Right. And that that's not just a bigger size now. No, no, no. 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 Not okay. longer. Because okay. now you're going to fall out of the shoe. Of course. We're talking about width, and that's across where the start of your toes is. Right. The metatarsals, as we call them, and metatarsal heads. Uh, but it's across the, where the start of the toes, the widest part of your foot, possibly where people have bunions. Okay. So if they, if they have them, they'll know what I'm talking about. That's the part that needs to be wider, not longer. You're still a size six. You're just a maybe a triple right. E fitting. And are those shoes available? Are they Absolutely. readily available? Absolutely. Okay. I used to sell them. I don't anymore. Brexit put, put an end to that. It was just too difficult. Uh, there is a gentleman in Cashel sells them, Peter O'Dwyer. Um, Meanies in um, Carrick. Carrick are very yeah. good. And uh, Mul- um, sorry, the name's escapes me. The one in Clamel. Okay. Uh, I can't think of the shoe shop. Mull- not Mulligans. Right. Oh, it begins with them. I can't think of it. Somebody, that, no, no. The okay. one down near the Westgate. Okay. Oh, they were there for right. years. Well, anyway, they they are available. Yeah, out they there, are which available, is, which is important. All right. Yeah. Um, just go back to the corn. The difference difference between a corn and a bunion is what. So bunion is bone. Okay. Uh, if you're going to get a bone bunion, it's because it's familial history. Okay. So you have, your mum or dad had it. Doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have it, but you can't have a bunion without one it being a familial history. Has to be. Okay. Has yeah. to be from. Um, sorry. Has to be from family. Um, uh, so a corn is friction and pressure, and that's the only way you get it. All right, OK. Um, lots of congratulations on to you as well, people who are your customers. Oh, thank very, so very much. impressed with you. Uh, hi, Frank, could you ask Andrea if there's an X-ray or some scan I can have to see what's going on with my toenail? Uh, I've been to numerous foot, uh, feet people, and bone fused five or six years ago, but absolutely no comfort, Suzanne. Is that something you come across? Uh, it is. It's beyond my remit now. Yeah. A nail is different to the bone. Okay. So a fused toe, you possibly need an orthotic. But um, if you qualify with a medical card, you can see a gentleman up in TUH, uh, Niall Geegan, uh, and you would get a referral from your GP. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he would do an orthotic. He would, he would also do a bespoke shoe specific for your feet. So one, f- one foot can be different to the other depending on your type, the type of foot you have. Right. Um, the nail is different, so fungal nail can be thickened, and as we age, our nails do thicken. Um, that I could probably deal with. Okay. But uh, if you're going to, if it's a problem with the actual toe, the bone, then I would get a referral from your GP. Um, if you can get it up to Nile, well and good. And if you can't, there are people in the town that I could refer you to. So they can, I'm more happy for them to contact uh, me. Moroni's, by the way. Oh, that's, that's, that's it. Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, and uh, many of our listeners into us very quickly yeah, uh, about that as well. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about fungal nail and stuff? Because we see these images on TV and these various different products to fix them and stuff. And it, it, it looks kind of gruesome, is it? You know? <laughs> it's not gruesome. I love it. Uh, <laughs> fungal nail. I so love it, Jesus. The fungus is between the nail bed and the nail. Yes. So, and your nail is not porous. So putting a whole load of shop bought, wherever you bought it, doesn't matter, stuff on top of your nail makes no difference whatsoever to the fungus, which is underneath serious? your nail. 
Yes. What it does is break down the keratin in your nail. Our nails are actually hard skin. It's got keratin in it. Mm. It breaks down the keratin in the nail to get to the nail bed. Okay. So uh, I would recommend anybody who has a problem, rather than just go, you know, go to your chemist by all means, I have a great chemist and they are incredibly helpful, but also seek foot health practitioner advice right. because they can save you a whole load of money on uh, over-the-counter products if they're not going to work. I can look at it and tell you whether they're going to work or not. Right, very good. What can you do about the ingrown toenails? And again, is that genetic in some ways? Oh, some of it is. is so it? some of it's in- ingrown specific is when a normal nail flat across the nail bed and you hit furniture or you get stood on or that sort of thing and it pushes the nail into the skin, into the side of the skin. That's typically what we call an ingrown what most people call an ingrown is actually an involuted nail which is hereditary again and it is oval in shape so it's not flat across the nail bed it goes around the nail bed and as it gets longer it sticks in at the corners specifically you can manage it yourself if you can get down to your feet and use an emery board or a file or something just around the corners Uh, and then a lot of people like their nails very short. That can create a problem as well because they're, they're so short that the nails are growing into the skin then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, uh, so involuted nails are hereditary. Mum or Dad would have had them. Uh, ingrowns, no. Okay. Is there any issue with painting the toenails and can that give you more issues than can that? Generally, no. No, okay. Um, it will discolour the nail. Yeah. That's okay. You, you know, That's we not just a paint problem. over it again. Okay, over it again <laughs> but depending where you go, if you go to a reputable person where they use septic uh, conditions, they don't double dip on uh, nail brushes, uh, the place is clean and tidy. That's perfect. Oh, if right. it's not, then you may be encouraging uh, bacteria, etc. All right, you might be able to make head or tail of this for me. My second toe makes a bed of my big toe. I had an ingrown toenail and had a bit off, and it makes a bed since that. Well, what does that mean exactly? It's it leaning means on it's it, overlapping. The okay. second one is overlapping. It's leaning on the top one. Okay. So what we can do again is that toe sleeve may, may work uh, to put on the second toe. That may stop it overlapping the big toe. Also, there is a wedge we can put. It's um, We'd have to make one up, and it goes between the two toes, and that will keep them separate. There is something you can do. I mean, you can also pad. If it's not painful, it's not causing you any problems, and you can get to your toes, you can just put a bit of padding on the big toe so that when that second one overlaps it, it's not causing pain. I did have a lady, a very, very brave lady, who had an overlapping third over the fourth, and the only way she she get any comfort, she had huge problems with the fourth, with uh, infection, etc., was to have it removed. Oh, right. And she healed like a baby. It was beautiful. Oh, right. I didn't do it, obviously. It's, it's surgery. There are that's extreme case. If it's not bothering you, we can we can do lots, something. Lots coming in on this, as always. Whenever you join me, loads of questions. A person. A person was on to us, and this is his words, by the way. A, a person classed as enormous, of course, this comes into the whole um, uh, use of English thing that we discussed with the Roald Dahl books. Anyway, classed as enormous, could purchase a brush to reach his feet. Could he put, purchase a brush, as opposed to reach his feet? No, I'm not sure what he'd be using the brush for. I'm not sure either, yeah. Uh, and maybe it's for the skin. You could perhaps purchase a paddle 
uh, a foot paddle with a like an emery board sort of sandpaper on top of it, and that would perhaps help if that's the problem. If it's well, callus, it, it's the it problem. seems to be getting to his feet because of his size. There's no brush uh, uh, in this instance. I would suggest he see a professional purely because we we're at your feet. We're within two or three inches of your feet, and we can do it. And if we can cut them short, if you'd like them short, and you perhaps only have to see someone maybe three or four times a year. Okay, but th- that's a much better bet. And you're trying to struggle to do something yourself. If somebody is of a a larger size, they could possibly have diabetes. I have type 2 diabetes myself. Um, And anybody, you shouldn't be doing your own feet. All right. You should be seen. Talk to me about diabetes because this comes up all of the time where foot care is concerned. It is. What happens with too much glucose, too much sugar in the blood, it can deaden. Uh, the nerve endings at at your peripherals, so your fingers and your toes. Toes, fingers we can see, but toes people can't see, or feet they can't see. So if you can't feel something, now you can stand on something and you can't feel it, and then it could create a wound. And that's really the issue around it, that and the fact that you shouldn't be cutting your own toenails again because of wounds. Uh, People with diabetes... Uh, I'd take three times longer to heal. A wound takes three times longer to heal than somebody without diabetes. And I have personal uh, uh, thing of that. That happened to me when I was uh, cut my leg with a suitcase. Go on. Uh, you you and didn't it feel me- it? I did feel it. Oh, I felt did. it immediately. Right. But um, it was like a graze and it took three, week- three weeks to heal. It was ridiculous. Wow. It healed. I'm okay. But, but again, and my diabetes would be considered well controlled. Um, but again, uh, we have to be incredibly careful with diabetes. Right. And you're encouraging people, aren't you, to register with Diabetes Island? Diabetes it? Island. I'm a general advocate, I'll be honest. I'm out there. Um, uh, so what they do is we help Diabetes Island with um, information in relation to people with diabetes. Like ourselves, we can recommend things, etc. Um, I'm now uh, with two other ladies with type 2 diabetes working on a booklet that will be in doctors and chemists, hopefully eventually, to let people know what to do when they're diagnosed with diabetes because it's incredibly, it's overwhelming. Mm. Uh, well, it was for me and it, that seems to be a common theme. Uh, where, where do I go from here? What happens next, uh, etc. So we're in, at the moment we're doing a booklet for that. But Diabetes Island, even their website, anyone can access right, so it. So get, get informed. Absolutely. I suppose is yeah. the message. Yeah. My feet hurt when I use cheap shoes or runners. They feel fine. Uh, they feel like they're too flat. But when I wear quality shoes, um, I'm fine. Uh, is there something in that? Uh? There isn't. There isn't. Uh, if you wear a very flat shoe, like a pump, a ballet pump. There's no support in them whatsoever. We don't advocate using those. Um, I my I go to a local shop. Uh, it's not a shoe shop. It's a general shop mm-hmm. down near the west gate, uh, on the left hand side there, up the, up going up Irish Town. Uh, and because I sit all day, I don't need a shoe that supports my foot. I live above my premises, so I'm not commuting. What I do need is a covered in shoe, so that when I use my sharps, my scalpel, I don't take my toe off if I drop it so I can use a cheaper shoe and I also have a narrow foot so I don't have a problem feet quality is important but within reason Mm. Um, Is is leather uh, important? Trouble is with leather we'll get back to what I said before it doesn't move so there's no, as your feet widen and uh, if you've got swollen feet a lot of people have um, edema which is swelling in the legs uh, lower legs and feet and they can't wear that type of shoe because it just doesn't give with them 
uh, and it creates okay. problems. All right, indeed. Um, exercise, you, you always advocate that. Oh, absolutely. You, yeah. it's, it's huge and it's so important for people. Um, well, I, I'm trying to get back to running uh, with Clum LAC. I'm a member. Um, I was walking and I'm hoping to do part of the Camino in September, but just for your circulation at all. It's, it's excellent. For your muscle tone, that's what holds up your skeleton. So muscle tone in your legs, uh, in your lower back. It's really super important. It's good to meet people. It's good to salute people and say hello. And even if you're walking with a wheel, what I call a wheelie, a wheel, people who use them will know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. Get out there and just salute people and, and get get a bit of fresh air. Even a day like today. You know, it's a bit wet today, but, um, you know, just do your best to get... Look, you can go up and down the hallway in the good weather, in the bad weather, but it's better to get out in the fresh air. But but get active, whatever whatever way that is, I I suppose. Somebody asking me about swollen feet. Um, They swell up every so often. Does Andrea have any advice? uh, I do, raising them. So depending on, find out first why they swell, because I'm not uh, a medical person, I'm a health worker. So you may need um, your GP uh, to have a look at those. And I would mention... Um, anything that's different, anything that changes, whether it be the feet or anywhere else, please tell your GP. So you might have to write a note down to mention it next time you're in with them. Um, So find out why they're swelling. It could just be you're on your feet all day, therefore you need to lift your feet up. Uh, I have seen people say you need to lift them up above the heart. Very few people can lift their feet up that high. I'd struggle myself. If you can lift them up even a foot off the floor, those um, recliners where you can pull yeah. a button and send your feet up, excellent. Uh, I never sit with my feet down unless I'm working or I'm sitting here now. I, I always fling myself on the couch and my legs are up. Um, it is better for you. But find out why they're swollen. OK, just one more because I want to talk to you about a couple of other things as well. Martin was on to say what causes rougher dry skin and what's the cure where feet are concerned? So OK, there's a few reasons. You could have um, a dermatitis or some sort of psoriasis or eczema. If you on have, the feet? Well, you'd have it all over. Okay, yeah. uh, it's normally on the top, okay. right, you know, on the dorsum, on the top of your foot as opposed to on the bottom, the sole of the foot. Um, you could have it also between the toes. Probably athlete's foot. Athlete's foot is incredibly itchy. It's incredibly easy to get. Very easy to fix, I might add. Um, but it could be that. Um, what else could it be? could be your footwear. Now, I would have got corns when I was running. When I, was, uh, I ran a marathon when I was really training heavy. Um, and that's just from friction and pressure in my footwear. Um, so it could be footwear as well. Uh, it, without looking at your feet, it's impossible to say. But there's a few options. Check if you've got eczema or psoriasis, you will know that. Use a um, get a steroid cream from your GP. Um, if it's footwear, have a look at your footwear. Even though you might not use it very often, uh, have it could be worn. Have a look inside. Have a look at the sole, so they're not worn on the sole. Um, could be athlete's foot. Uh, if you can send me a photo uh, on... Uh, don't send me... No, maybe don't send me photos because you'll send me all sort of photos. Uh, you can always pop in and I'll have a look. All right. And speaking of which, where where are you, by the way? Uh, food care centre. So we're opposite Dunn's in Oakville. Um, so you can park in Dunn's stores. Mm. Don't tell Dunn's no, I told you don't that. Don't say a word. Um, and, well, most of my patients now, fairness, would shop because people go, oh, sure, just pop in for of such course, and such. So they course. are shopping there. And a uh, yeah, phone number as well, uh, just to... Yeah, Maybe so the landline is 052-61-21013 and the mobile is 083-871-8010. Right, you can get good. me by email on foot 
healthcarecentreclonmail at gmail.com. And Vicky, my colleague, is in clinic now if you'd like to phone. Very good. I so am incredibly busy, but we'll do our best to That landline again, 052 612 And uh, Emma will have all of those contact details as well. Before I let you go, you're attending, uh, this is going to put the fear of God into councillors, you're attending a council meeting a little later on. Why, I, why so because? I am. Because I'm a rate payer, like uh, other business people, and I want to know what they are doing, but more importantly, what they're not doing. I'm right. very, I'm, I'm, I'm disheartened, I'll be honest with you now, with the way uh, Clamel is being run at the moment. We have an awful lot of empty shops. We have an awful problem, and, and I'm not the only person uh, with I was talking to a, a volunteer with St Vincent de Paul last week, um, a gentleman who you'd all know from being in here, and he was talking about the same problem with d- uh, dogs, uh, faeces. Yeah, yeah. And I have elderly people coming into my premises with uh, wheelies. Uh, forget uh, push chairs and all the rest That's of it. That's a disease you get, is it? That's a condition you get, is it? Uh, no, it, it's they're coming oh, in. Oh, sorry, you I see beg your pardon. Yes, okay, they're yeah. rolling through yeah. it because one, they can't see it, and two, it's everywhere. It's okay. impassable. And actually, there is one wee dog, and if I catch him, uh, uh, he'll know about right, it. He'll know about it. Do you uh, resent the fact that you're not able to speak up at the meeting? You absolutely. Can just speak... I just, I, funny enough, I ran into Michael as I was coming in the door. Michael I made Murphy, sure yes. I met him as I was coming in, and uh, I said to him, I, and he said, "I see you soon." I said, "You'll see me in a moment because I'll be with you." <laughs> uh, but I did say, "Why can't we speak?" Yeah. And he did say, "As long as he's in the county council, people have never been able to speak." And I said, "Well, where's our voice?" Mm. Uh, I know they are our voice, but I've got a voice. Right. So uh, you, and you'd I, like to speak up. Oh, about yeah, that. but I can understand why you can't just shout out because that would be right. mayhem. But, but to be given speaking time or something I like that. I think if you had ten minutes and said, I, you know, I could even give them uh, as I go in the door, I could say I'd like to mention this, yeah, okay. and so they know what I'm going to speak about, even you know. But I just right. think people and actually the time ten o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. Whose idea for, was that? For, for business people, that's not for idea. Anybody. Do you feel, Andrea, if you were to speak, that you'd be speaking on behalf of a lot of business people? Is there a lot of annoyance out there? Is there, there a lot of disappointment? There seems to be, but is that just on, on uh, Facebook, etc.? There seems to be. Uh, my friend Rosie Donovan is in the book market. Right. Uh, and she's there in Great Marketplace. Shop, and she's absolutely yeah. a fabulous shop. Yeah. Um, and she is doesn't is beside herself, doesn't know what she to do. She must be. She must be. With indeed. the carry-on. And just briefly before I let you go, what are your thoughts on antisocial behaviour? I'm frustrated with it. Um, we all talk about what she we can do. She clenched her fist and I saw her sort of <laughs> reacting to that very quickly there. Yes. You know, it's a council problem, it's a guard problem, it's everyone's problem but the people actually doing the antisocial behaviour um, and and the parents. Now, I'm not saying parents have to watch them 24-7. We've, mm. all, we've all been there, we're all parents and you can't and, and you try and instil in them uh, manners mm. But did you find it interesting what Michael said? Because our our presumption straight away is we associate anti-social behaviour with a certain um, socio-economic bracket. But I mean, here he's saying that you know kids from the right side of the track supposedly yeah. are. I'm not surprised. I'm in the middle of not? town and I see the, the kids walking past on footpaths. And um, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Okay. Um, but I am disappointed that the guards were five minutes away and did not it took them twenty minutes to get there. That's outrageous. That's Out- what. That's that's what you took from our conversation, wasn't well, it? Well, that just, that just winds me up. All right. Andrea, it's always good to see you. That landline for Andrea, again, by the way, if you want to make an appointment, 052 Thanks very much indeed, Andrea. Thank you.
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Coming Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Puck On, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Time now for our weekly global politics segment and the pleasure as always to have Thomas Conway, politics and economics a student in studio with me. Good morning to you, Thomas. Good morning, Good to see you. You constantly educate me because um, South Africa had kind of gone off my radar uh, quite a bit, but you're going to speak to us uh, about it today, particularly about the foreign policy of South Africa. Yeah, Thomas. they have taken a really interesting turn, a kind of an ominous turn in yeah. terms of foreign policy. Like, just to go over it, when we think of South Africa, I think we... We conjure up this vision of a country of universal rights. We associate it, obviously, with Nelson Mandela. He kind of, he led it out of the era of apartheid and into a a new era, a new epoch of kind of hope. But in recent times, its foreign policy has become increasingly oriented towards Russia and China, which I think is quite worrying. And it's kind of baffling. It's kind of perplexing in a way, because South Africa has traditionally been allied with the West Mm. and a lot of Western countries since its emergence from the apartheid era, since Mandela came to power and even his successors after that. So just to to go over it, I mean, in terms of trade, the US accounts for 7.5% of its trade, the EU 22% of its trade. So you can see there's an economic relationship there between South Africa and Western countries. now. So, so why this look to Russia and China? Now, there is probably something to be said for aligning itself and establishing greater ties with China. China has 16% of trade with South Africa, so maybe something to be said there. But it's really interesting. Uh, why, why it has decided to tilt towards Russia and China exactly, it's hard to know. But I think it stems from attitudes within the ruling party, which is the African National Congress Party, the party of Mandela, which has in recent times fallen foul, I think, of corruption and sleaze and other negative things like that. There is, I think, a degree of loyalty within the ANC, within the African National Congress, to countries such as Russia. They provided it with arms and ammunition during the apartheid era. There is still a degree of loyalty there, but as is there Marxism within the ANEC? There is a slight ANC tilt anyway. towards it. Yeah. There is a slight tilt towards it, and I think that is what is influencing this interesting foreign policy tilt. There's also the issue of investment in the country. A lot of Russian tycoons, multi-billionaire Russian investors, have invested heavily in South Africa. China has also invested heavily in South Africa. So there is that kind of that economic uh, economic relationship which exists but that shouldn't uh, that shouldn't undermine the fact that this is this is worrying from a from an african perspective from a broader african perspective south africa's diplomatic diplomatic actions are actually harming the continent as a whole because you know during the mandela era it kind of as i say it emerged from this terrible era of repression and oppression into a new epoch of hope and South, mm. a- South Africa would have backed uh, peace peace efforts in countries like the Congo and Zimbabwe. Now things have kind of turned mm. on ahead. But there's all sorts of social issues. I mean, crime, I keep hearing about in South Africa, is a, is a huge issue. Staggering levels of crime, staggering levels of crime, staggering levels of... 
uh, a lack of infrastructural investment, a lack of infrastructure, things like that. It hosted the Soccer World Cup back in 2010. Very contentious at the time. Mm. Uh, and much like many other countries, it has a population of just over 59 million people. So it is a large country. It's not the biggest on the African continent. That's Nigeria, which we'll speak about in a couple of minutes. But... You know, it is a significant player and it significantly influences the politics of the continent. So what about the current government then? So the ANC, the current government led by Cyril Ramaphosa, he himself came to power after Jacob Zuma, who was the previous president who was stained by corruption, Mm. suffered a, a number of corruption allegations. Zuma tried to purge the party, the African National Congress, of those of that reputation, essentially. He wasn't necessarily successful. There was quite a, a bizarre incident recently in which he was accused of finding something like $3 million down the back of his couch at his country ranch. Now, you know, so things like can, that can do Can he not, survive that? Yeah, well, he has managed to, somehow. He has managed to. I think he's done a reasonable job. Certainly when he first emerged a couple of years ago, uh, he performed well, relatively well in his early stages as president, but since then things have kind of taken a turn. There is no real opposition to him, though. There is an opposition in South Africa. There is an opposition to the ANC, but they have ruled the party since the apartheid era, since 1990. So, I mean, it doesn't look like things are going to change anytime soon. What about militarily and navy and all of that? What, what is the situation in South Africa? So, it recently conducted naval exercises, naval military exercises with Russia and China. So, that is another piece of evidence just illustrating the kind of the tilt towards those countries so it has a relatively strong military probably it hasn't invested too heavily in it but certainly it has a presence relative to other African countries maybe on the continent but certainly the fact that it is doing things like conducting the the military exercises with Russia and China and aligning itself with Russia and China it certainly doesn't bode well for Africa as a whole. It's interesting. Uh, tourism, of course, is huge, isn't it? Tourism is huge. You know, I haven't visited. I would love yeah. to visit. It's a no, fascinating I mean, country, but admittedly, the level of violence mm, and the level of insecurity there of, yeah. is certainly something that really has and to I be addressed. The, the townships are still a, very much a reality, aren't they? Uh, yeah, the, I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. I think, you know, we hear a lot about Johannesburg, about Cape Town and that, but certainly there is, um, it's a very diverse population. Yeah. It's quite an eclectic population in South Africa. So still a lot of poverty. A lot of poverty, quite quite entrenched poverty in, in regions, in rural regions. So that is something that some government will have to address. Talk to me about the great uh, rivalry, and that is the United States and uh, China. Where are we with that? Now? Yeah, well, I was reading I was reading a feature in The Economist, which is where I source a lot of my stories uh, recently, just this week, about the prospect of a war over Taiwan and the, the growing rivalry, the growing... I think battle between the US and China and you know well, you, you just remind us of the the background here where I suppose Nancy Pelosi brought it back to the fore again. She did. Yeah. Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan last year. Yeah. It caused a major conflagration. The Chinese were not happy. President Xi Jinping was not happy about it. He saw it as an outright provocation if nothing else and Taiwan which is a country of of actually 20 well when I say country now, there's a huge question mark there. Yeah. Uh, but a land of 23 million people, a significant pop, uh, population there, very few support reunification with China. One poll I read said that just 7% favoured reunification with China. It broke away from China during, I think, the 80s, uh, became its own independent independent statelet, somewhat right. similar to that of Hong Kong, 
we will say. Right, but China doesn't recognise it as No, such, does China it? Yeah. doesn't recognise it. Yeah. And China adheres to this kind of, something like the one country, two systems uh, rule, which applies to Hong Kong. But Taiwan, obviously, it has yet to declare, its president, Tsai Ing-Veng, has yet to declare formal independence. And yet there is an overwhelming tilt towards independence in the country. But the US has promised to defend it militarily should China launch any kind of military invasion in the country. So it is a very interesting scenario. And has the war in Ukraine kind of exposed that as a possible other huge uh, escalation of something? I think it has. I think we're obviously very preoccupied with the war in Ukraine. We're obviously, we're paying close attention to that. But the real geopolitical rivalry of the 21st century is that of the US and China. And it's a battle between between two competing systems of governments, between two visions of how the world should work. On the American Mm. side, you have liberal Western democracy, then you have the Eastern authoritarian model. And it will have a significant Mm. influence, I think, on a lot of East Asian countries, a lot of countries in the Indo-Pacific region, the Indo-Pacific being kind of the Southeast Asia region, countries like the Philippines, Thailand, uh, Cambodia, countries like that. But do they need each other, the States and China? Well, this is the thing. Because they are the two world's, the the largest economies, the two largest economies in the world, they are interconnected. They're intertwined in terms of trade. So we saw President Trump launch a devastating trade war in China. Uh, President Biden hasn't been all that different. You could say it's ironic, really, when you think about it, because... They're such different figures, such different people. Biden is kind of understated and diplomatic. Trump is out there. He's bombastic. He's controversial. And yet their policies in in relation to foreign policy can actually be quite similar, particularly mm. in respect of China. Biden has kept up a kind of aggressive approach. He's confronted China. He hasn't been as uh, bold rhetorically as President Trump, but he has certainly maintained an aggressive stance to China. But there is no doubt the US and China are intertwined, they're interconnected, indelibly so, and they will not be able to break that connection. And we constantly hear about China, you know, stealing uh, technology and uh, stealing all sorts of information and the, and the like. How important is that in our conversation? Yeah, well, that is, well, obviously we had this, we have this great era of digitization and technology has come to the fore in terms of, in terms of how the world economy operates. And China has been accused of stealing Stealing what's known as intellectual property, and what that means is essentially stealing ideas, looking at US technologies and taking them, grabbing them for themselves and using them in in a Chinese form. So that is a particular bone of contention between both countries. It's very interesting, really. It's very interesting to see how that dimension of the war... There are kind of a number of dimensions to it, really. We had the Taiwan one, which we mentioned the, the military exercises in the Indo-Pacific okay. and then this economic and technological trade war which is currently which is currently playing out between both countries and it has been complicated then by Russia's invasion of Ukraine because I think a lot of us are still wondering where does China stand on, on Russia? Because that's not clear, sure. It's, it's not, not clear. It's not clear. It has resisted the urge to to send lethal weapons mm. to mm. Uh, to Russia, which has been, I suppose, a topic, you know, a topic of particular interest recently. The US has has been, I think, suspect of China. You know, it, it has really sounded a lot of warnings and, and indicated that it will respond. It will mount a heavy response if, the, if China does anything of that nature. But I've said this before in the programme, I think 
President Xi Jinping sees sees Russian President Vladimir Putin as useful but not indispensable. So in other words, if he feels that the war really isn't going to plan, and I suppose it's not at the moment, he can dispense with Russia at his will. But certainly they are trade partners as well. They are bound at the hip economically, and that is something to consider. Right, and what about promoting a situation where America and the West would be divided in, in, in more, more profoundly? That would play into China, wouldn't it? That it would certainly would. It yeah. certainly would. The irony is the war in Ukraine has actually united the West like, yeah. like never before. But China will hope that as time as time lingers on and as the cost of living crisis bites, as the energy crisis bites, then the West will become even more, will become divided to a certain extent. Now, that doesn't show signs of happening. There has been huge solidarity and it has been a consistent level of solidarity thus far in respect of Ukraine. But certainly China's China's hope would be that at some point in the future, uh, those crises, multiple crises will start to bite and the West will become divided and that is really how the war in Ukraine could benefit it. It's interesting. I'm not sure if you heard Aidy Roach uh, speak out though uh, a couple of days ago and it scared the wits out of me. She was making the point about having a war that involves those nuclear plants, you know? I mean, the possibility of what could go wrong there in Ukraine. Well, there is a huge, I mean, you know, the, the sense of jeopardy there and the consequences would be absolutely huge. We hear about all the time fighting around the Zaporizhia nuclear plant. It, it's the largest nuclear plant yeah. in Europe. You know, it, it is incredibly dangerous. She was talking a lot of sense. She was talking about some sort of a peace zone around those areas. You know, I think it makes sense. I yeah. think it makes sense. Now, little makes sense to Vladimir Putin at this current moment in time, but certainly it is a very worrying scenario. Isn't it just indeed? We don't have a huge amount of time uh, left, but can we briefly refer to that enormous task facing the new Nigerian uh, president? A lot to do. Yeah, Bola Tanubu is his name. So it's it's unfortunate, really. We spoke about Peter Obi on the programme. He yeah. was the kind of long shot candidate from the Labour Party. And in many ways, the, the story of this election was his story. But he only finished third. He got 25% of the vote. Not a bad result, in fairness, when you consider considered the kind of traditional loyalties within Nigerian mm. politics. But anyway, it was Bola Tanubu who emerged as the successful candidate. But he inherits an absolutely splitting economic headache uh, bequeathed to him by the outgoing president, Mohamedou Buhari. Economic growth is anemic, really. Annual inflation rose to 21% last December. And Nigerians are poorer on average than they were when the last and it's president. It's a huge country, isn't it? Huge it's population. a huge country, a huge population, 213.4 million. So think of that. South Africa was what, 59 million? 213.4 million people in Nigeria. And a multi dimensional state of crisis affecting a lot of them. You have poor rural regions in the north, you have economic disparities, big cities like Lagos facing major uh, infrastructural problems. Then you have the insecurity problem, the security threat posed by jihadist, jihadist terrorist groups, which is really biting at this current moment and of time. policy decisions that have been appalling, really. Policy decisions which have been appalling over the years. And in terms of, in terms of campaign pledges and promises, all three candidates, including Bola Tanubu, have promised to, I think, restore a degree of stability to the kind of... Mm policy platforms that they Tell us about that spend on the petrol subsidies, for example. An eye-watering figure. Eye-watering figure. Huge amounts of money spent on spent on these ruinous petrol subsidies, uh, which were... Ten billion, was it? Yeah, ten billion. Ten billion in all, which was supposed to, I suppose, alleviate the cost of living crisis. 
they shouldn't have done it. It was a ridiculous decision. Now, Bolas Nubu was promised to reverse that decision, but I mean, look, 133 million people in the country are, as I said a minute ago, multidimensionally poor. That's 63% of the population. So unless measures are targeted and targeted towards those groups, Saudi or Nigeria will continue to suffer. Incredible. We only have about 30 seconds left, but I really want to mention this because in terms of something to watch out for, um, where Turkey is concerned, yeah, what, what do yeah, we this need to is, be conscious of there? This is really interesting because for the first time, an opposition candidate has emerged to face Recep Tayyip Erdogan in this May's presidential ele- election. His name is Kemal Kilidarolu. I get the pronunciation right. Mm. Kilidarolu. Uh, Kamal Kilakdaroro, and he is the per- essentially the leader of the opposition party. Uh, it is interesting because at least opposition parties have united behind the candidate. They call him the Turkish Gandhi, uh, which is an interesting nickname because of his kind of a slight physique and a humble style. He will be very interesting to see whether he can realistically challenge Erdogan. Remember, Erdogan suffering the consequences of that lacklustre response to, to the, the earthquake, earthquake yeah. uh, and numerous other crises affecting Turkey. It really will be very interesting to see how that one plays out. At least, I think, the opposition have united behind someone. That is frequently the problem in these kind of countries with a strongman authoritarian leader where there is no viable, I think, opponent to him. It's pity we didn't have time to speak about the uh, Finnish economy minister who is fond of a drop. Uh, yeah, what, he is what? fond of a drop. Yeah, people can look that up from <laughs> they themselves. Can, they can indeed. Thomas, a pleasure as always. Thanks for Pleasure, Fran. Thank you. Thomas Conway with us. Tom Nook, August and also chucked. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie At Thurless Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, Call the lads in Slattery's Garage Puck On on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Thanks Pat. Uh, welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. Now to celebrate Mother's Day. It's this coming Sunday. By the way, just in case you need reminding, we have a bottle of Ascent uh, perfume to give away from our good friends at Ascent Perfumery in Clanmel. And all you have to do is nominate your mum. Now people were on to say, could they nominate a grandmother? Of course you can. Of course you can. No problem at all. So if you nominate somebody, we'll give away uh, that before the end of the programme. And we have perfume to give away every single day this week. Now, we're with you every weekday morning, of course, from nine. And this morning, Mary Butler spoke to me uh, just after nine o'clock. Mary is a former principal of the Ursuline in Thurles and spoke about her past pupil, Carrie Condon, who narrowly uh, missed out on an Oscar last night for her role in the Banshees of the Sheeran. Uh, here's just a little of what Mary had to say to us just after nine o'clock. She was a great girl, very determined very talented, hard worker mm. and uh, ambitious. Knew her mind and knew what she wanted and where she wanted to go. So, yeah, I I don't see it as a disappointment. I think it was wonderful she was nominated. Wasn't it and, just uh, uh, indeed, yeah. And you can remember to uh, her, her first roles. Was that Angela's Ashes all those years ago? Well, actually, that was when she was in her leading search year. Was it that indeed, was, yeah. Uh, yeah, nine, mm, 1998. She completed her leading search in 1999. Mm-hmm. So in 98, she, that November of 98 of her leaving third year, she uh, was filming that Angela's Ashes. But she had done roles for us in the two previous shows. 
And tell, tell us about those roles. I mean, did you see pretty much immediately that this was a, a remarkable talent, Mary? She was a great girl and she had that certain, uh, je ne sais quoi, as they say. Yeah. And she, but you see, it was all wrapped up as well with hard work. Mm. Uh, you know, talent is terrific, but it is not accompanied by hard work and motivation, you know. Mm. So she had both, which was terrific. And that's Mary Butler who spoke to me just after nine o'clock this morning. Now, speaking of uh, the Oscars, I'll be uh, chatting to Ellie about it in just a little while. But let's uh, bring you a montage. And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar goes to... Jamie Lee And the Oscar goes to... Michelle Yeoh. And the Oscar goes to <laughs> Brendan Fraser. And the Oscar goes to everything. And the Oscar goes to Avatar, The Way of Water, Joe Letary, Richard and then Daniel Barry. And Ellie joins me on the subject of uh, the Oscars. We're, we're disappointed, I think, because there was such hope. Uh, wh- wh- how many nominations? Was 14 it? nominations 14. across, well, for Ireland, we'll say altogether. Nine of those coming from Banshees of Inishir, and so you would have expected them to at least get one or two. Mm. They didn't get any. They didn't get any. So I think a lot of people were very surprised by that. Um, Of course, for our own um, here in TIP, we were, of course, really hoping that Kerry Condon was going to win. Um, Unfortunately, Jamie Lee Curtis won that for her role in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now, this is a movie that kind of came out of nowhere and it sweeped the awards last night, winning the most with seven awards. And it's a strange one for the Oscars because it's kind of a sci-fi movie and it's Michelle Yeoh was kind of the the standout star of this and she was doing well in the award ceremonies prior to the Oscars. So we'll say the, the SAG Awards and the Golden Globes and the Emmys, Michelle Yeoh was, was sweeping the boards on those. But in terms of the film as a whole and the other cast members, there really wasn't anything about it. So it was a huge shock last night for them to completely sweep the boards of mm. the Oscars, especially given all the coverage the band she's got that's, in the US in recent yeah, days. Yeah. I think a lot of people would have been expecting it. Uh, for myself, I was really disappointed for Barry Keoghan. I was yeah. really hoping he'd because win Because he it. was amazing. Superb. Superb. Just amazing, and even yeah. his personal story behind it, I think, yeah. was a lovely, lovely story. Would Coming have been from, nice. from a very difficult background. Very and, difficult. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, pushed from pillar to post all his life, foster home to foster home, and then to, to be where he is now, I think it would have mm. made a lovely story. But you see a lot of that. That's the politics of the Oscars, too. And you have to play that backstory a little bit. And who did that very well this year was Brendan Fraser. Mm. And a lot of people, I think, took him at his words that this is a guy who was once a huge star of Hollywood who disappeared off the scene for a long time and suddenly came back on the scene through this movie The Whale um, which is it's a great movie and he's outstanding in it as well and not to take away anything from that but he did really play on that personal aspect of it and then he spoke about um, you know, and, and I know this was genuine talking about how he was assaulted mm. um, during his prime Hollywood days, and that was what um, kind of made him take, take a step and, back. Uh, the whale—that's that's about a guy with an eating disorder. It's, isn't yeah, it? like it's, 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 uh, and I don't want to give too much away on yeah. it, but it's this guy with um, an eating disorder um, who's obese, and he's trying to reconnect with his daughter and essentially teach her all the life lessons that he's learned, so that she doesn't go down the same path that he does. And there is a bit of a twist in it. It's a lovely, lovely movie. Mm. 
but I, I, I don't think he was better than Colin Farrell. Yeah, I, I think I, he played the game better in the Oscars. I, I sort of was iffy enough about Colin Farrell until I saw Banshees. Yeah. And I thought he really excelled himself. But you it's know? still a Marmite movie, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, and I loved it too. But funny enough, I was prepared not to like it because I I don't like that Irishy stuff. Yeah, that sometimes and usually when a movie comes with that much hype, yeah, it, know, it yeah. never lives it's, up to yeah. it. But I felt that did. I, I thought it was just amazing. But as you say, people, you know, this polar stuff happening where it's concerned. What else do we need to, to know about what happened? Of course, there was some success for Ireland. There was it? some success. Yeah. We got two awards. So mm. we got um, short film live action category. That was an Irish goodbye. And that's a, a lovely little short movie. It was over the weekend actually I think um, RTE had it either Friday or Saturday night and BBC showed it yesterday uh, and there was a lovely scene in the Oscars yesterday James Martin who has Down syndrome is the main star in it and it's a lovely story very short movie it's only 23 minutes long but it's about two brothers who are estranged and their mother dies and it's the, the battle between the brothers on, on James Martin's character who wants to stay on the farm and continue working the farm and his brother wants to sell up and then they find uh, a bucket list that their mother had done up before they died before she died so they want to um, do all of the things that are on the bucket list and it brings them closer together so there's a lovely deep story that's really condensed into 23 minutes and it's done really well and James Martin is a lovely lovely character mm. and when he was receiving the award last night his um the I forget his name now, but the actor who played his brother in the movie mentioned that it was James's birthday. So everyone sang at the Oscars birthday. sang happy birthday to him. It was, it was moving, a lovely moment. It? Yeah, 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 it was lovely. I, I loved what James said as well uh, that this is an Oscar for people who look like me. Yes, it you was know, beautiful. Was just, just gorgeous. And yeah. really fitting as well because we're coming into World Down Syndrome Week next yeah. week, I think, and we're doing a bit with Mehel for the show on that as well. So it feeds into that nicely. Very and good some indeed. Great long way to coverage. Of course, this year's Oscars follows on from the infamous. Incident with uh, Chris Rock last time round as well. I presume that was referred to. It was, and it was Jimmy Kimmel hosted this year. Jimmy Kimmel, of course, the US um, television presenter and comedian, and he mentioned it in his opening monologue as well, saying that there was more security there this year, <laughs> not to protect everyone else, but just to protect himself. So I like Jimmy Kimmel. He's a great presenter. Yeah. I thought he did it very well. He wasn't without critique, though. He wasn't, um, yeah. and it was a scandalous less um, Oscars, I think, this year because you're you're never going to live up to the big mm. slap from last year. Mm. But he did get a lot of criticism for how he spoke to Malala Yousafzai. And Malala Yousafzai, you might remember, is um, a peace and education activist from Pakistan who is the, the youngest recipient of the Nobel Peace Prize and, of course, the recipient of the Tipperary Peace Award as well. Uh, she was shot by the Taliban when she was 15 back in 2012 and was left seriously injured. She attended the Oscars last night and this is based off a documentary that's based on her life. So that's why she was in attendance. But Jimmy Kimmel got a lot of criticism for what he said to her. Here's just a clip of it. Your work on human rights and education for women and children is an inspiration. As the youngest Nobel Prize winner in history, I was wondering, do you think Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? I only talk about peace. That's, you know what? That's why you're Malala and nobody else is. Oh, they feed Matt Damon peanut butter on set to make it look like he's talking. That's... Cocaine bear, leave Malala alone. Come. All right, we got to get this guy out of here. Yeah, that second bit of the clip, that was they had this guy walking around in a bear suit um, just to, to talk about Cocaine Bear, which was the big movie of the year as well. And he kept kind of at Malala. 
Right. Like kneeling down beside her and trying to get her to rub him. She was very clearly very uncomfortable with it as well. God, so, it, like of all the people to go to in the, the audience. There was a very special guest, was there not, from Ireland, though? So oh, there was. Out, yeah. There was. Let's play the clip first. This is Jenny. She is one of the stars of Banshees of Inishirin. More Jenny. <laughs> Not only is Jenny an actor, she's a certified emotional support donkey. <laughs> or at least that's what we told the airline to get her on the plane from Ireland. So if you're feeling upset or that you win or you're anxious or maybe you just love mules, feel free to come up and give her a hug. And Jenny, I want you to see, there's your friend Colin right there. And there's your friend Brandon, whose finger you ate. You want to say thank you? All right, let's get you back on that Spirit Airlines flight now, huh? I love it. So a big reaction to Jenny? Huge reaction. Poor old Jenny the donkey. And I, I thought, <laughs> when I saw it, I said, oh, the animal activist now will go mad. But she was pretty content and happy right. up on the stage with him. But it was lovely to see. Right. Because, I mean, and, she and was the standout star. Really and didn't do its business on the stage or anything, no? No. no? Thankfully, no. she behaved herself. But it was a nice moment. Um, another, I suppose, mention for Colleen Kuhn as well was another one of the Irish movies that was nominated that didn't come away with yeah. an award. But I think the reaction to it, everyone involved with that film were just so happy to be there. I don't think anyone had any real expectation to this win. This is the Irish night. language movie. The Irish language yeah. movie, yeah. yeah. And it's it's getting rave reviews worldwide, Colleen Kuhn. So I, I think it's only in select cinemas at the moment. So we'll try and check yeah. out if there's any interest. You know, I, I was really surprised. I don't know why I was surprised at it, but the amount of politics behind it all and just getting movies nominated and who you have to know and who yeah. you have to speak to. And, and they have to be shown at certain festivals beforehand. So Sundance is normally a big one for that so if, if you don't go through um, kind of the the, the the circus of the whole thing like it's not just Oscars that you you, you kind of qualify for it. Yeah. there's a whole run up to it and if you don't play the game in terms of that then you haven't a hope so for movies like An Irish Goodbye and Colleen Kuhn to make it to the Oscars at all incredible. is phenomenal. Yeah. And and it's important and uh, that's why we need to temper our disappointment. I mean, the, this we was do. an incredible uh, achievement, wasn't it? Was there any nauseating sort of acceptances? Or? What was funny actually was the one and it was the one poor old Kerry Condon lost out on so the Best Supporting Actress Award, that was won by Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, but also nominated in that category was Angela Bassett. And you know Angela Bassett, course, she yes. was nominated for Wakanda Forever. Um, and when Jamie Lee Curtis's name was announced, you could see Angela Bassett's face just tensed wow. and her lip curled. Ooh. She didn't applaud. She didn't do anything. And you could see her in the audience when Jamie Lee Curtis was giving her speech and she had a face like thunder and wouldn't <laughs> clap at all. But to be fair to Angela Bassett, that's probably the second time she's been robbed of an Oscar because she should have won in 1993 for um, oh, the Tina Turner movie. Uh, uh, what's yes. love got to do with yeah, it? Yeah. She should have won that year, and she she didn't win, so oh. she has been robbed of an Oscar. So I wouldn't blame her for so being she a, had a puss on her. She did have a puss on her. She had a puss on her. There, there you go. Yeah, are you an Oscars person? I Ellie? do like it. It was on a bit late for me now last yeah. night. I didn't stay up, but I love and I love the old style. And I love the scandal from it and the drama do from you? it. I do. I love it. But yeah, I know it's yeah. all politics. It just troubles my tummy greatly. Does it? It does. I can't do the acceptance speeches <laughs> thing and the, the, the mothers at home. Did I hear one person crediting it? Was, was there an 85-year-old mother at That's home? right. That was um, Kenny Kwan. Was so it, he yeah. won for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now, that was the one that, uh, the best actor. So he took that from Colin Farrell, essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, 
was it Kevin? No, sorry, it wasn't. From Brendan Gleeson and mm. from Barry Keoghan as well. But he is a huge favourite in Hollywood and people of a certain generation might remember him. He was in The Goonies. Oh, yeah, He was yeah, the yeah, little yeah, guy yeah. with all the devices right, like Inspector yeah, Gadget. Yeah. So he's had a bit of a comeback as well. So his story is very interesting and he won the Best Supporting Actor for Everything Everywhere All at Once and thanked his 85-year-old mother. And it was, it was a lovely, lovely yeah. speech. He's a great character as well. Yeah, you see, you're a nicer person than I am, you see. I just find all that stuff nauseating. Um, what will it do for, I mean, the nomination and, and all of the publicity? I mean, because Farrell's career had really sort of stagnated, hadn't it? It had. I think he just made a few bad choices when it comes to movies. I think from Phone Booth on yes. was not a great time for him. But then when he teamed up with was Martin McDonough. Bruges, was it? Yeah, when yeah. he teamed up then with Martin McDonough and Brendan Gleeson, then from Bruges, it kind of picked up a little bit. And I think now we're seeing him at the peak now. So it's what he does from here will determine a lot. Brendan Gleeson has nothing to worry about. I mean, yeah. he's always going it's to be... to prove at this point. Nothing, yeah. nothing. Marvellous stuff. But Ali. what it will do for Ackle, I think, and for Ireland and oh, for the yeah. Irish movie industry, I think is going to be huge because the way, you know, Ackle was really the star of Banshees of Inisherin, and what that will do for tourism in that area, I think this year... Of course. ...will be yeah. worth more than because any Because it's, it's shot beautifully. Do you have any advice for somebody who's about to watch uh, Banshees? Because, like, it is very divisive. It's dividing people. What should we keep in mind when we're watching it, I Ellie? just watch it for what it... Don't expect anything. Or yeah. don't think it's going to be something. Just watch just it watch and it see what, what you think is. of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I loved it. No, I and it's say. funny, and the, it, I see a lot of young people because there's so much talk of Banshees of Inisherin. They're into watching it. I had my, my young fellow had a sleepover a couple of weeks ago, and they watched Banshees. Of and Inisherin. what did they make? They of hated it? it. They thought it was boring, and they didn't <laughs> get it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Ali. It's always good to see thanks, you. Thanks, friend. thanks very much indeed. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double oh seven. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, Karen Prendergast is our interior designer. She's with me in studio. Uh, How are you, Karen? You know, I get such an amount of slagging for talking to you about (laughs) colours because all my friends know I'm colour blind, you see. And I don't know one from another. And they say, you have some cheek to be speaking to Karen. But anyway, I say she drags me through it, you see. That's that's what it is. Um, Will we deal with questions, first of all, Karen? I think we should because they're piling up. Right. How to redesign my bathroom because the last one is in for 32 years. That's common. Well, you know, um, it's a long time. It, it, it is a long time, but a lot of people might have uh, built a house, bought a house, uh, did their bathroom, tiled it from head to toe. The children are reared, they're finished, college is over, they have a few bob, they want to do up their bathroom again. Right. And 32 years ago, would that be the awful sort of yeah. coloured um, yeah. wash hand base? Now you have it. Or was that the it? The one yeah. I'm. I'm doing one at the moment. It's blue. Green was very common. Green you know, was, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the the olive green at the time. Yellow was around. Mustard was around. But um, if people, you know, people, it's 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 current and it's happening a lot right. because people might have spent a few bob in their bathroom in a while. So the question I get asked most is when I go to look at a bathroom revamp is, I think now I mightn't want a bet anymore. Should I leave my bet? Shouldn't I leave my bet? 
I think that totally depends on the situation in the house. Some people love a bet, won't want to get rid of it. Other people want to get rid of it because they want to put in maybe, mm. you know, a slim shower tray, that the easy access and um, make it much more user friendly, maybe. We, we had that decision to make, Karen. We decided to get rid of the bath um, and uh, have a decent shower unit. Now we think we might have made a mistake. Well, would you believe I'm on a job at the moment and um, we're gutting the bathroom in two weeks' time. But there wasn't a hope that they wanted to get rid of the bat. But in order to have a walk-in shower, they needed to get rid of the bat because mm. it's quite a long, narrow um, yeah. bathroom. Plenty of room in it, but not room for all their needs yeah, at course, this minute. Yeah. So what they've decided to do is put the bat in the room. So I'm walking in the bathroom, uh, we'll say the, the bathroom door to the left. There's a very big bedroom. So they've decided to buy a reasonably priced bat, put it in that bedroom. Oh, because it's not in use. Okay. And keep it. So really the pipe work is down the end of that. When I walk into the bathroom, it's down the end under the window. So all the plumber has to do is connect the pipe work from that bathroom existing through the wall and connect the bed. Right? It's a very good idea. It's a brilliant idea. Because after 32 years now, I presume maybe some of the kids have flown the nest and maybe there's a spare room. There, there's, yeah. there, there's three spare rooms, to be oh, honest, okay. in this house. So it was the idea of the householder, actually, and they said, would this work? I said, absolutely, because all we're doing is going through mm. the wall with the pipe work. And as they said, in time to come, whoever have the house or whatever happened with the house, it would be very easy to disconnect those pipes. Right. But but can it be incorporated into a bedroom, if you know what I mean? Of course it could. Yeah, right, OK. Of course it could. And in this in this case, in the bedroom, and there's not a lot in there anyway, but when the painter comes, he'll be coming to paint the ceiling and the door and the, and the architrave in the bathroom, he's going to give the bedroom a lick of paint as well. Right. So that'll be... Right, so you have the best of both worlds. You have the best of you? both worlds. So in terms of fashion and in terms of what we should be doing with the bathroom after 30 years plus... Some ideas on that. Um, people then, the question is asked, I'm not sure if I want to tile my whole bathroom, mm. if I just want to tile the inside of the shower door. So that's happening a lot now that maybe someone has had tiles and been looking at them for 10, 15, 20, 30 years and they're unsure. So again, if you're on a budget and, you know, a lot of us are, we don't have to tile the whole bathroom. And if we're fed up with tiles and definitely don't want them, we don't have to tile the whole bathroom. So where we would need tiles is over a bed if there's a bed in the be- in the um, in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and also inside the shower doors. Right. So that's mostly where the tiles would need to go. Probably, depending again on the person, they might go with tiles, mostly tiles on the floor. Maybe lino might work. Mm-hmm. Modern, nice modern lino as well. Um, so again, it depends on the householder, depends on their needs. And I think a really important thing that's needed in a bathroom is storage. Because it lacks storage. So if if a person was thinking a budget and they had X amount of money to spend on their bathroom, it might be a bad idea to get a sink with a unit underneath that you can store most right. of your bits and pieces in and um, maybe not go tiling the whole bathroom. That's it. So if you choose not to tile an area of it, what, what do you do? Is it paint? Paint it. Paint yeah, it. paint it. Yeah. And you see, if you start out, and, and remember I'm always talking, if a person's thinking of doing any up any room in their house, have a plan for the room before you start. So... Pick your tile, pick your flooring, pick if you're just doing tiles and in those areas, pick the colour for your wall and have the whole lot colour coordinated. So it looks like it was meant to be from the beginning. Okay, right. Um, the colour of the units then, what's they in? They come in all different colours. I was in a shop uh, several times in the last few weeks in one particular shop and um, salmon is, is really the colour of the year for 2023. There's radiators and salmon colour. There is um, units... Uh, 
lots and lots mm. of different colours. So grey, green, beige, cream, salmon, three or four different colour greys. Like, like for the washing yeah, basin? Yeah, not for the washing basin, but okay. for the actual unit. For the unit. For okay. the unit. So mostly uh, the wear now is white. Okay. It's very rare to get a colour, but accessories, radiators, um, tall radiators, slim radiators, and all the um, units and all in lots of different colours. Yeah, some of those tall radiators now are, are becoming very prevalent, aren't they? They are, and you see it depends on the space that you have in the room. So they're becoming prevalent for every um, room in the house, not just the bathroom. They're coming in different colours, and my, I go on and on and on about this all the time, BTUs. So BTUs is the measurement of heat in a room mm. so I would always say to somebody if you're buying a radiator we happen to be talking about the bathroom now make sure that there's enough of heat for the area of that room so that's the length by the breadth by the height of the ceiling bring that with you and if you're buying a radiator get the shop to calculate the BTUs to make sure you have enough and you're over I would always suggest being over not not on the number over so as you have sufficient heat in that room Right, interesting You can tell I'm a cold person friend uh, me too, me too. Uh, and speaking of cold and hot and stuff, can you give me any advice about a bloody electric shower? Because our family's going to break up over an electric shower at the moment. Are they all dodgy and difficult and, you know, or is it just... No, not really. When you say dodgy or difficult... Well, I mean, the one that we have, it seems to vary between roasting the head off you or freezing you, yeah. and, and it seems to go from one to another and yeah, it has well, a mind of its own. I'll tell you what happens, and I have, we say, relatively two years now, I'm in this house, I have a, a new... If you don't open your bathroom, yours is yeah, new as well. Yeah. But what I what I find very difficult um, is if I turned on the shower and turned it off. I have an electric shower, okay? Turn it on and then turn it off. I have my shower done, but maybe I want to wash out the shower. Whatever. Yeah. If I turn it straight back on, it's roasting. roasting. It would yeah. burn you. Yeah. So that seems to be typical of um, electric showers. But another good tip for people, and this uh, again comes up a bit, not as much as tiles and bathrooms and the whole lot, but... Uh, Will I have a power shower or an electric shower? Yes. But in my last house, in this, because the house was built before I got there, not that that mattered, in the main bathroom there was a power shower and in the ensuite there was an electric shower. But then if we hadn't hot water in the winter time, you'd have to put on the heating or, or in the summertime, you'd have to put on the heating or whatever to get hot water for the power right, shower. Right, or the immersion so, or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, or the immersion. Yeah. And uh, so we decided to put an electric shower beside our power shower. In the main bathroom. Very good. So you so have we the had option. Both. Very good. Now that mightn't work everywhere, but it did work for us. So right. we had both, and in the ensuite. And I presume you need a pump to drive. Oh yes, you do. Yeah, okay, do. right. And does that work out expensive? Then? Uh, not, not too not, much. Not too no, much. Not okay, too much. So it's, it's okay. Not a big cost. Some more questions. I have contour wallpaper on my bathroom wall. Uh, do I need to get it off the wall before I tile the complete bathroom? What, what's contour? So contour is um, it's uh, it's a special. Uh, product. It's a wallpaper, but it has a vinyl front right, on it, so, so it's really washable. Yeah, so yeah. in the time when I worked for a painting contractor many years ago, I sold so much contour and wallpaper. So yes, you would need to get the contour off because if the tiles go onto that, there's no guarantee that they'll stick forever. Okay. Plus, you might have a mould issue. Right. So whatever happens, get the contour off and leave the wall dry for a couple of days before it's tiled. Right. Okay. So so don't. Don't, don't tile leave over it, there. it is, yeah. what you okay. Uh, I want to tile at the back of my kitchen unit. Do I tile the full worktop area or just behind the hub and the sink? So, again, 
Um, depends on the size of the kitchen and maybe somebody has tiles up with years and they're fed up with the tiles for an, and they're redoing their kitchen and they don't want tiles everywhere. Again, it's a personal choice. So I think the areas that you would need tiled or some type of finish would be behind where you're cooking and quite possibly over the um, sink area as well. Now, I'm in my house two years. I haven't put tiles up yet because right. I, I don't particularly like a lot of tiles. So I'm thinking I might go for some kind of a mirrored glass finish and a, what? a mirrored glass finish, a smoky glass, okay. and I might do something like that. Right. So I just haven't, I've been so busy, I haven't got around to my own yet, but one of these That's days I'll finish yeah. it. But, but if you have a very good tile job done, you've told us this before, and it's fine, but you're sick of the colour. I mean, the painting is an option, isn't All it? All day long. Yeah. It so works. So if somebody has tiles anywhere in the house and they're fed up with the colour or the grout is discoloured, if you wash your tiles, dry your tiles get a proper bin primer and two coats of a satin wood or an eggshell finish will give you spang new tiles that are washable. Right. Uh, listen around to say I have a long, narrow kitchen about 18 feet long, 9 foot wide. What's the best way to fit that out? That's Is that that's kind of narrow, isn't it? That it is. is narrow, it it yeah. seems narrow, the 9 foot. Yeah. But again, I mean, you know... Um, Whatever you're, whatever you're deciding, if you're if you're refitting it out or if you need a table and chairs, I'm not really too sure um, what exactly you're talking about fitting it out, whether you're redoing the kitchen or not. But um, sounds like that. Uh, it doesn't. It, might be it, it sounds like me yeah. be a refit, you know. But yeah. I think if you are doing a refit, it's important that you go to a kitchen um, a company, get the plans drawn, check it out at home. And the thing is, if you're putting in a table and chairs, which you will be someplace in the room possibly, and if you're thinking of an island unit or whatever, just make sure that you have enough space when you go to open your presses and get in at them, that there's nothing behind you that gets in your way. So we call it ergonomic. So be careful of how you fit that out. But I wouldn't see an issue in in fitting it out and fitting all that you need in a kitchen. And as I keep warning people, if you're putting in an island... Make sure you won't need traffic lights for people to pass by. With the, with the it's very important to get the is the proportion is the that proportion, how you describe yeah, the, the proportion, proportion right, the proportion okay. right and the, to make sure that if you are putting table you, we we all have tables and chairs tables and chairs and island units that there is enough room to walk around them properly without hopping your hip off of them yes because I have yeah. a I have a thing that um, I get caught in door handles and I hop my hips off of um, island units and all whatever height I am from I just seem to. Yeah, well, you're a tall lady, you see. Yeah. So it would, it would. It's an interesting question because I suppose it, it, it's really a question about what it is you do because it says, I'm unsure if you can help me with the room that I'm doing up. How does the process of interior design work? So, I mean, that's, you know, if somebody calls you and says, can you help, it, how does that it, work? It starts with a phone call. And, yeah. uh, you know, a text, a phone call. It's best to ring me. And if I don't answer, I'll answer somebody back. So somebody might say to me, friend, I want to do up my kitchen. I want to do up my bedroom. I actually don't want to do up anything, but I've loads of lovely furniture and I'm not sure if it's in the right place and I need to buy a couple of lamps and pictures. Is there any chance you'd call out and see is the furniture in the right place? There's something missing and I'm just not sure, but I'm really good with interiors. Mm. Or I all the time I get calls saying, look, I want to do up a room or I need to do a job or I want to build an extension or whatever and nobody will answer the phone. Right. You know, they're so hard to get so what you, trades you, people. Right, you sort all of that as well. Absolutely all of that. So from colour or floor um, ideas mm. to uh, get, sourcing a painter to building an extension to knocking an extension and building on. So anything at all. So 
a lot of people are kind of scared. They say, like, I'm not sh- too sure, Karen, even if you can help me. And I say, just tell me what you think. Well, tell me what you think you want to do. Mm. And I'll tell you if I can help you. And yeah. it'll be straight. Do you know, I think one of the big impediments to a house that you're comfortable in is storage. And you mentioned this earlier on, because clutter and storage, I mean, it's a huge... And do we leave it to last to wonder where are we yes. going to put stuff? Yes, and it's important in the beginning to make sure that you have that storage and for what you need. Like my shed is... I, I, my shed now at the moment, there's so much gone from the house into the shed and like there's no point in me saying, oh, I'm great at this and I'm great at that. You know, I'm moving stuff. I might have units in the house that I need extra units now for work and for storage or for fabric samples or whatever. So more has gone out to the shed. Now the shed needs to really be decluttered because there's no room in the shed, friend. I know the feeling. Yeah, I know. You know, I don't mean there's no room, but like that's cluttered and clutter drives me crazy. So like... I have no top units and people like me talking about my own house, not that I'm here to talk about my own house. They said, oh, Lord, you're someplace to sit outside or oh, we heard you saying this about your house. I have no top presses in my house. None. Because my living room is my kitchen. My kitchen and my living room okay. are together. So I wanted to make sure that when I planned my kitchen that I wasn't looking at kitchen all day long. So I have no... Yeah. No, I must t- t- take a picture and show it to you the next time I'm in. Um, I have no top presses. But I have nice shelves. I have it fitted out with nice items that I collected around the world. Not many on my travels. And it's nice to look at. So if I had a lot of presses and a lot of clutter in that room, I'd suffocate. Do you know, I'm delighted to hear you say that, that you have mementos from around the world. Because I have a lot of that kind of stuff. But I always got the impression that somebody like an interior designer like yourself would come in and say, get rid of all of that. We want clean lines and we want no. empty. You, you, yeah, it you're doesn't okay work. with it that, It doesn't work, Fran. How is my house going to work if I've got clean lines everywhere or if I'm going to suffocate in my kitchen stroke living room every day? Or when I go up to my office, I have a lot of all my office work in drawer units because I can't bear to look at them. It doesn't mean that I don't have a lot and I can't throw out my brochures mm, and my mm. mood boards and my samples and whatever. But like my life, I'm 54 going to 55 years of age and I have no shame in that. I'm doing fine. And I have the things that I like around me right. and the things that are important around me because what's the point otherwise? Yeah. But my my house is streamlined and every so often I have to do a declutter because I, I don't collect things. Right. But, but you with don't my work, have a problem you? with some... I suppose, a reflection of who it is you are oh. and who your family is and, you know, all I that. Go, yeah. I go into a house and there's a piano in the room and no one's played the piano in 20 years, but when there were children growing up, they went to piano lessons, they loved the piano and the piano is all the, the memories for them. Why would they get rid of the piano? Leave the piano. It's their life. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. yeah. No, I'm just delighted to hear you say that because, you see, this plays into this listener who, who's made contact with us. Um, sometimes we're not quite clear. Is an interior designer going to come in and impose their idea of what my home should be? Well, for me as an interior designer, I've never, ever done that to anybody because if I hired somebody and they done that to me, it wouldn't work for me Right. because I would have my own ideas. And to be honest, even if no matter what anybody's ringing me for, they have their own ideas, but they just maybe can't pull it together. It's not that they don't know what they want. Some people are ring, they don't know what they want and they want totally my input. Majority of people know what they want. First of all, they might be able to put it together or they can't get the tradesman and no one will answer the phone. Interesting. Somebody is wondering, can they send you some photographs to get design consultation or, you know, is it a case that you have to visit? No, how, how does no that not at all. Somebody can do a walkthrough on their phone. Uh, we can do a WhatsApp or, you know, a messenger or whatever. They can send me pictures. I can design without ever going to anybody's house. So I've, I work all over the world with people and it it doesn't have to be local right, or so has you, to you be you in Ireland. You can do that as well. Somebody want an interesting question here. Will you please ask, Karen, is wallpaper still fashionable yes. in a sitting room? Yes, is absolutely. It? 
Absolutely, yes. And um, while we there is some shops around that sell wallpaper, but a lot of shops now only have carry the books. Okay. So you have to go in and look at the books and order from the books. But yes, wallpaper is so in. And what and kind of wallpaper is fashionable now? All different. I mean, a stripe is elegant and it's classical and it won't date. Flowers are huge. Birds are huge. Now, that listener... Um, go on. Talking about wallpaper should get me going because my bathroom, I so badly want uh, wallpaper with birds in it. But I, I tell you, I have allergies and I had the back of head of my bedroom bed wall uh, wallpaper before and I think my allergies got worse and it's a funny one from the ink in the wallpaper my god so um, I give anything I have this really dark grey moody wallpaper in my in my head with green boards it sounds awful but it's beautiful but I just haven't got the courage to put it into the bathroom and the the birds is that harking back to the old yeah I used to bird watch when I was younger yeah love birds but but the wallpaper with birds is that harking back to the old days of oh yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My God, isn't that it's incredible the way things are swings and roundabouts. You have a mood board with you. Will you explain what is now, a mood board? I brought board, this in especially for you. It's yeah. going to a client, but uh, I brought it in for you just to give you an idea. So okay. it's it's a fine sized mood board, and this person is repainting their kitchen presses. Okay. They're really, really good, solid oak, and they're repainting. So this is so what you would bring to a customer. This is what it? I would bring okay. to a customer. Some customers want, you know, it, okay. it depends on, on what they're looking for. So uh, this is going to be the um, kitchen presses. Right, this is the colour you're, you're going to do. Yeah, okay. yeah, and this one is going to be going on all the walls. Well, will you tell us about the colours then because I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, but so the first colour on the left is called powdered shell. Okay. And what is that um, in, the, in, in old money? Is that, is that, is that grey? Or yeah, what, I suppose what? it's a stone colour. Is it? Okay. It's a stone right. colour. And the colour then for the walls, but these could be reversed. So one could be, this could be on the units and this could be on the wall. And okay. the other one then beside that is alabaster white. Right. It's gorgeous. So the two then, one for the wall, one for all the units. And then this person wanted to change their um, lighting in the ceiling. So they've uh, one, one lot of lighting in the dining room, one lot in the um, kitchen. But there's only one light in each area and it's un- okay. insufficient. So I've picked out this Right, so that's three the, spots. What do you describe that? Three spots on a, it's on a, a sort of a, a circular, circular three spots, piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah, piece. And it's it's called uh, Ventus Spotlight with three lights, light whites. Right. Sorry, tree light, white <laughs> bulbs. <laughs> That's easy for you to say. Um, it's very okay. Tongue twister. And also, this person has a sofa in their living area, the kitchen. Okay. It's really good, but right. they just want to change the colour. So I've sourced a cream sofa colour. It's a lovely, it's cover, simp- simple isn't it? sofa. Isn't nice, it? easy, and you can see the way all the colours go together. Yeah. And um, I've picked out a, a timber floor for the um, hallway of that. It's a strange kind of one, that timber, though, is it? Yeah, it's a little hint of grey in it, isn't there? That's lovely. Well, I wouldn't Gorgeous. know about the colour. Yeah, now, yeah. The rest of it is yeah. And what is the other piece, then? And that's a carpet that's gone in the living area what of that, is that kitchen. It is cool beige. Okay, cool beige. Cool beige. So the... You, you, you wouldn't want to be dropping too many glasses of red wine now on that, would you? No, it's stain-free. Is what does that mean? 100% stain-free, so all stains come out. Does it? Yeah. Even red wine? And be, yeah, and because mm. it's going in a living area of a kitchen, I picked one that was totally stain-free. Ah, very good. Rubbed. What is the gorgeous chair? It's a gorgeous chair. So this, this chair is called a Felix chair, and this chair happens to be going in a bedroom. Okay. Um, it's not part of this room. Now, is this being bought new, or are you new. covering this? Okay. This is new. Okay. Yeah, this is new. Right, it's a lovely idea for a chair. So this person's doing up their living uh, stroke dining area, and we've got the wall colour, the kitchen unit colour, two new light fittings, a sofa cover, um, a timber floor, 
a carpet and a gorgeous, as you said, uh, chair for a bedroom. Really, nice really plan, gorgeous. isn't it? It's lovely. So that, I mean, in certain circumstances, this yeah. is what you do. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you, you yeah. know, we we call that a storyboard, I suppose, yes. for for movies yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely, lovely idea indeed. If people want to talk to you, Karen, how how can they do yeah, that? Yeah, it's oh eight six six zero six nine zero zero nine, and the website is interiorconcepts.ie and Facebook, Instagram, and all those. Right, very good indeed. Uh, Johnny was on to. I love the way people don't miss out the opportunity for a plug. Johnny was on to say, Powers Paint and Supplies, O'Connell Street in Clamwell, still going strong and wallpaper, and it's a great shop. So there you go. It's great, isn't it? Karen, as always a pleasure. Thank Thanks very much indeed. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1800 938 007. Now, our perfume is going to Maureen Grant of Newcastle. Well done to you, Maureen. And you were nominated by your daughter, Riona. And I hope you enjoy uh, the perfume in association with our good friends at the perfumery in uh, Clonbell. And it's called Ascent. And we will have uh, uh, some more perfume to give away every single day on the programme this year as we approach this year, this week even, as we approach Mother's Day on Sunday, 1800 Fran, will you give me Karen's contact details again, please? Um, Yep, no problem, John. That's 086-606-9009. So that's 086-606-9009 or it's info at interiorconcepts.ie. Now the County Tipperary Open Drama Festival returns to the theatrical scene on St. Patrick's Day and runs until the 25th of March. The venue, of course, is St. Michael's Community Centre in Holy Cross. Donald Duggan is the festival director and joins me now. Donald, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. <clears throat> nice to talk to you. And again. nice to talk to you as well. Is this the first one proper since COVID, Don? No, we had one last year. Uh, we came back on the scene last year, but a very um, troublesome, disruptive festival because we had two cancellations. One at short notice, one on a Monday morning for the Saturday, oh for the following yeah. night, Tuesday, which you couldn't replace at that stage. So we, we were able to replace one of them, but we had a blank night and. So and it was all, we were living on. We were, I was afraid to answer the phone in case of somebody cancelling. I can imagine. But you're back to full strength uh, this year, I suppose. With the the success of the Banshees of Inishirn, there's and uh, maybe a, a, a more of a, a, a collective look at what's happening on stage now with uh, with Martin McDonough. Do you think? Yes, and and of course, as it happens this year, we have two of Martin McDonough's plays. Yeah. In, in the festival, purely by chance now, rather than uh, design. Yes. But, um, you know, so he, he's, he's the man of the moment. So, now, having said that, he must be a very disappointed man today after yes. having so many nominations and, and getting nothing. Absolutely. You know? by, by the way, did you see the movie? I did indeed, yes. Yeah, and yeah. I love your opinion on this because, of course, you you would be well uh, familiar with the stage uh, play as well. What, what did you make of the movie? Well, I, I liked the movie. I was a little... Um, I, I thought it was a little stage Irish, and I, I mean, I had to, I had to say, I know it's 
in fiction and all the mm. rest. But I didn't like the, especially when it got so much worldwide notice, the donkey in the kitchen and all that sort of thing. I uh, I just felt it maybe pushing it a little bit too far. Interesting, could, yeah. So you can yeah. understand why it's a bit Marmite-like, that people are very divided on it, I suppose, Donald. Yes. Yeah, yeah. but I, but I mean it was, and I mean the two the two actors Farrell and and uh, and uh, Brendan, Keith, yeah, yeah, were, Brendan were, were, yeah, were excellent, superb altogether. You know. So, what can we expect from the drama festival uh, this year then? Well, you can expect a, a complete uh, run of comedy uh, and comedy and and thrillers and uh, pure drama. We have a mixture of the classics. We have uh, the play by the Western mm. World which is a classic, uh, probably on the leaving certificate every second year nearly. And, and uh, you know, for the, the times that are in it, the play by the Western world uh, brought on uh, people rioting outside the theatre yeah. the first yeah. night because it was offending the morals of the of the, the, the people. You yeah. know? So, uh, and, I mean, really, I mean... What it was based on was the, the the ego of the male who was trying to impress the female. So, you know, I mean, he, he supposedly killed his tyrannical father to impress the women, you know, and then when it discovered that he didn't actually kill him, he was let down. So some things have never changed, whether some it was 1900 or that, That's a particular production, Hinterland's production of that, that's getting rave reviews everywhere. I know it was in Brew Brew recently as well, it's getting some great reviews. Yeah, and, and they have, the, Robert Powell, the producer, yeah. he's Tariq and Shure, he's yeah. a, a temporary-based uh, well, he's living in Dublin. He's studying in Dublin, but he's a he's a caricature based. And so that, so we have actually we have three uh, temporary groups in the festival this year. Counting that one, we have Turles and uh, we've Turles and we've Holy Cross back. Holy Cross in their first year in the open section, which would for people that are not familiar with the, the way the festivals work, you have open and confined. Yes. And really, it the easy way to describe that is Division One, Division Two. Uh, and um, Holy Cross won the, the we'll call it the confined the division two in nine, in 2019. They won the All Ireland, so they have to go open. Then and so they wanted that was, they always wanted to go open, but they wanted to earn it. They didn't just want to go; they wanted to earn it and, and earn it. They did it was a tremendous. Very win. good. And their production this year is a Martin McDonough play as well, isn't it? It is. Yes, yeah. uh, not a well-known play now. Actually, it's called in Connemara. Yeah. And that was written in 1997. And I suppose it's just with with, with the, the the publicity that McDonough is getting mm. at the moment, uh, a lot of his old plays are being are being, are surfacing. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? And uh, speaking of which, you have the cripple of Inishman uh, with Rare Cross as well, don't you? We have, yes, yeah. yeah now Rare Cross actually were uh, very grateful to them because we had a cancellation at, uh, just before New Year's Day, and uh, Rare Cross uh, stepped in. Yeah. And we're delighted to have them actually, and delighted to have another temporary group. It's great, yeah. I love to, four, I love to see. Sorry, I'm, I'm it, saying four. It's four temporary four. groups actually, well, not three. Yeah. Well, it's great to see drama is so so healthy in the in the camp. You have an old coward in there as well. That, yes, yeah. indeed, yeah. light spirit. Yeah, yeah. And that's. I mean, that's a 1941. Yeah, and that's I, I describe that as a costume comedy, which is great fun and and. Uh, it's a real old coward sense of humour type of play, you know, with a yes. nice bit of comedy in it. Is it farce-like? Is it? It is. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, which would be typical. It, it, well, of his not, work, not, we'd say a hundred percent farce. Yes, I mean, there'd be. It, it would be. It would have good rumours of an ordinary drama play. Yeah. but 
uh, some of the scenes would be farcical, you know, there's no doubt about it. Very good. So uh, you're, yeah. you're kicking off on St. Patrick's uh, night then with a God of Carnage there. That's correct, yeah, yeah. God of Carnage. And uh, will I run through them? Yes, please, you? please do, if uh, you would, Donald. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God of Carnage on the Friday and uh, Olana, played by uh, David Mamet with Prosperous Drama Group, which would be one of the top uh, open groups in mm. the country. Uh, Holy Cross then on Sunday night at Skull and Connemara. Uh, Monday night, a play called The Father at Brideview Theatre Group in in, uh, in West Waterford. Mm. Uh, the Cripple of Inish Man on Tuesday night with Rare Cross. The play by The Western World with Hinderland on Wednesday, the 22nd. Thursday, the 23rd, we have Taurus uh, with the Seafarer. Taurus actually have won two festivals already. Uh, with that play. They were actually, they had that play in Holy Cross on the scene uh, 11 years ago and Margaret McCormick is, is the producer and they resurfaced it again for this year. And uh, That's the Conor McPherson play, isn't it? Is it? Yes, it is, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, then what, what Friday, else? sorry, one. No, no, I was just going to say, well, on the Friday then, the Noel Carr play that we were talking about. Isn't yes, it? Yeah. Right, Spirit. Yeah. And then we have an actual play called, written by the producer. It's the first of a trilogy called When Elephants Collide. I mean, it's the play, the play about the complex, uh, complexities uh, of a relationship of families and uh, where you have an alcoholic and all the rest of it thrown into it. And uh, I have never seen it now, so I, I don't actually know the play, mm. but uh, it, it's, it has all the signs of being a very good play. Yes, and uh, great to see new plays as well, of course, as part of, of uh, the festival. Um, I presume people need to get their skates on if they want to book tickets, and I presume the big-name plays will be the first to sell out, I suppose, will they? Well, the, the local plays... No, actually, there's no pre-booking because of the, the, the physical layout of the hall and where the lights are. The seats have to be moved for the lights, uh, for the lighting crew of the particular group every day. So we, we used to pre-booking, but it got to be it got to be a, a total mess, actually, because the chairs never went back in the proper positions. So ah, right. Okay. So we've, we've a big hall, and uh, there'll be plenty of room for everybody. And uh, the play starts sharp at half eight. So if you're in the hall most nights at eight, 10 past eight, quarter past eight, there's no problem. The exceptions to that would be uh, Holy Cross on the Sunday night and Thursday on the uh, this, uh, Tullus on the Thursday because they'd be two local groups course, and they yeah. will draw big crowds. Of course. You know, you can can I get a season it. ticket though, Donald? Can you I can, can indeed, yeah. Okay. You can indeed. You can get a season ticket for 70 euros and the admission every night is 15 and we have a concession of 12 euros. Right, very good indeed. Now the final night, we start sharp at half eight except the final night which will be eight o'clock. Hmm. Now, and, our, and, our, sorry, our yeah. adjudicator is Peter O'Driscoll, okay. who we have back. He was supposed to be the adjudicator on that dreadful year of 2020 when everything was abandoned uh, because of our bad friend COVID. Indeed, yeah. indeed. So the award ceremony will be after the final uh, production then, is that? Uh, right. on, yes, on the that's why we started uh, half an hour earlier, ah, right. actually, so that we don't get... And of course... The final night, as as a rule with us, and it's no different this year, is the night the time changes. Ah, right, right, of course. So people will have a have a lie in. Um, it's it's great to know that you're back in full flight again, Donald, because it's such an amazing um, festival every time, you know. So we wish you well with that, and uh, great to talk to you today. 
And you, Fran. Thanks nice. very much for your support as well, usual. Thanks, Donald. And thank you. Bye bye, Thank now. you. Bye-bye. That's uh, the great Donald Duggan there, festival director. Uh, of Holy Cross, a drama festival kicking off on St. Patrick's night and going right through until the 25th. That's it for me. Emma produced Tally, looks after our content. Uh, Stephen is on the way with the Time Tunnel and I will talk to you tomorrow. You'll be good now, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie